0: Get ready to bring them in hello chris and hello Meg. oh i got you right on your hat i got you right when you're doing the hat i'm getting famous for that right at the right time how are you doing chris pretty good yourself i'm really good i'm really good and i do like to have you want to show us what you got on there
1: yeah, it's a it's a jeff evely hat so less we forget with the last uh, crossed out as the legion has forgotten so
0: yeah that's awesome and hi maggie how are you doing and we had a quick little chat with you no more bombs today
2: no more bombs today
0: (laughs) oh your audio sounds good right now by the way so that was a good thing yeah yeah and yeah for those that were watching a Canada day special we went and connected with you we first saw you in your living room and it was a nice little backdrop you had and then all of a sudden we saw police Vehicles in the front yard where you're showing us that yeah, they showed up because you had a bit of a scare there. Now, yes. do you think that was for you or it was just something going on in the neighborhood?
2: Well, I um spoke at my town council on Monday and that's right. That video went viral. I was laying out how the UN has taken over our municipalities since nineteen ninety-two, and I gave all the background information. And I think it got to about 100,000 views. And I went outside to get my camper ready for Canada Day and said, what's going on here? And there was a bomb squad right outside my door. And it was just a little bomb and they, they took care of it. But I haven't really heard any details on why that happened. I did go over and speak to the police and... And... Uh, yeah, I didn't get that many details. And the other thing that happened is I started a newsletter. And it was deplatformed within a month. Oh, wow. Starting it. So I have to restart my my project. But that's okay. I have all the patients in the world, apparently. Or I'm supposed to. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> For sure. And we're going to help you there. Like, if you need to get platformed or you want to do video or podcast or something, let's help you on that one. Because you're doing some great work over where you're at. I saw your video. And, uh, yeah, you're a speaker, you're an advocate, and you're doing great work. And that Agenda 2030 is very, very real. So, uh, yeah, I'll go check my front lawn after this and see if I got a package, too. Uh, because, yeah, that's very real. Now, Chris, you don't you don't take bombs seriously. You've actually been involved with and you actually fully understand the subject.
1: I've been, I've been blown up uh, a few times, yeah.
0: Yeah, a few times. Wow. Um, do you want to start with that photo you sent me and let everybody see what we're talking about? Maybe we can get into that story if you want. Story, sure, Yeah, go for it. Sure. And while I'm getting that ready, why don't you go ahead and tell us how come you got started in... Oh, by the way, thank you very much for your service. God bless you. Oh, um, yeah. Can you let us know what made you get into the service?
1: Uh, well, for me, it was just uh, I didn't really know what to do. I was, uh, I was going to university at the time, and uh, it wasn't for me. Um, I spent six months college, uh, at university. Knew it wasn't for me, so I initially jumped out. Uh, I joined the military. I joined up in 2007. Uh, I was deployed in 2008. It was a very, very quick uh, span. The photo that you're putting up right now—that's the crater that the uh, what the bomb left after it impl- uh, exploded underneath my vehicle.
0: Is that 15 feet me. or so? Like how deep is that? It looks like 15 feet or so.
1: Yeah, probably about that. I'm not sure how wide. Probably 40 or 50 feet or something.
0: Not sure. Oh my goodness. And your vehicle was over top. This is the full explosion. And this is where yeah. your vehicle went hundred feet in the air.
1: Yeah. So I was in, I was in the lead convoy. It was the, I was the first vehicle. And it was just, uh, I think it was seven, 7 8 AM. And it's like, I have to tell everyone that everything I'm telling anyone now today has been retold to me because I have no recollection of anything. So pretty much it's just right. what, I've, what other people have told me is what has uh, is what happened. Um, right. It
0: has to be relayed to you. Right.
1: Yeah. So we were heading out one day, six, seven o'clock in the morning. And uh is the uh, busy spot down, uh, I believe it was South Panjway, uh, pretty, pretty hostile area. And uh, they just, they lined us up and it was a, a pole detonator uh, IED. So it was a little cord attached to the bomb, two kilometers off to the mountains. and uh, As soon as we came up, they lined us up, they pulled the debt and it uh, exploded. It uh, lifted my 30 ton vehicle right up in the air, about a hundred meters or a hundred feet. Um, it did a complete flip and as it flipped the uh the tank the gun sorry is on a swivel it's not actually connected to the vehicle so it just the, the the gun fell out and then i happened to fall out and then the tank or the lav fell as well so i was between the gun and the lav uh so just due to my size and due to the positioning and lock and everything i just luckily made it out and uh the three other guys with me they didn't um but
0: I'm so sorry about that brother. I'm so sorry. Now the recovery of course took some time and what happened right after that? Did they take you out of Afghanistan or did you, what happened?
1: Yeah. So they flew me, um, they flew me, uh, originally I think it was to Bagram. It's about an hour away, um, to stabilize me. Uh, when they, when they had found me, it was pretty assumed that I was dead, um, with the condition I was in, but they picked me up, they hauled me away, they stabilized me in Bagram. Uh, then they flew me to Landstuhl in Germany. I was there for two weeks, uh, eight or nine days of which I was in a coma, uh, induced. Um, And then, uh, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Um, Yeah, so you are in Germany? Yeah, I came back. I left Germany. I was flown to St. John, uh, close to my mom and dad's. Um, When I left the St. John Hospital, I recuperated at my mom and dad's for probably a few months. I was walking within four or five months. So I recovered pretty fast, but I was in very good shape.
0: Yeah, you started in good shape. So yeah, your recovery was pretty good. And then after the four or five months, you start walking, you're still dealing with pain and other problems?
1: Yeah. And then I I, I reintegrate into the base. I did an extra eight years in the military. Um, Tried to get back into the infantry. I tried to deploy again. Um, Didn't work out. My body wasn't really having it. And then uh, 2017, I medically released.
0: Oh, wow. Thank you very much for your service on that one. Mm -hmm. And how are you feeling today? i know it's day by day but today it's day by day
1: but really like if if you don't think about your pain and if you just you know a lot of it's mental right so if you're thinking you're in pain you're in pain you're in pain you're in pain but for me i don't talk about pain it's just it is what it is and for the most part i get by i have a great great wife my family's great so
0: yeah we'll get into your family as well at one point very soon uh what we're gonna do is we'll bring maggie on now and kind of get to know her as well we'll get off this pain topic so maggie You have been an activist and you've been working hard prior to this whole convoy thing. Can you kind of let us know what got you into that? Was there an event? Was there a particular cause? Or you just felt like doing something one day and that was the thing you did?
2: Mm. My parents always worked overseas. And I grew up the first four years of my life in a jungle village environment and a good sense of community And so those formative years, I think really shape a person. Um, Coming back to Canada, my dad, I have a vivid memory of him saying that I would love Canada and it's a place of freedom and democracy. So I always wondered what that meant. And when I arrived in Canada, it was in the eighties and there was a lot of smog still in the air, that's been cleaned up a lot since. The highways were littered, that's been cleaned up since. And just, just, I think it broke my heart being tugged past the first homeless person. And I thought mm. that there was something wrong. <laughs> There's something wrong with the country. Um, and that we'd lost our sense of community and kindness towards our fellow human being to a sense here. Um, But I always loved growing up in Canada, I lived in cottage country, I had a good good childhood, I traveled a lot to um, the Caribbean, and I always was concerned about the environment. I think it was that first initial experience when I was younger, so I kind of was aiming towards working for the UN one day, and specifically going for the environmental, um, Issues, So I went to college for ecosystem management and while I was there, I really researched heavily into climate change and it didn't take me long to see that the, the data being used and the models being used um, was being blown out of proportion <clears throat> and that there was a lot of science that wasn't being taken into consideration. And then from there, I started really questioning why the UN and the international organizations were pushing so hard on this. And I started to see the agreements being made and then our country following suit with with legislation that reduced our our sovereignty and and our rights. So that had always been a concern for me. And I, at the same time, was seeing that our our legal system and our monetary system was also being turned against the people. And uh, then I had my son about 13 years ago and had an issue with his vaccinations and the doctors, they gaslit the wrong mom in the hospital that day. And And these are not
0: COVID vaccinations. These are just other vaccinations.
2: Yeah. And it was just a simple reaction, a uh, a rash. And I brought him in for his first one. He had a little rash. I, I didn't freak out. I took note. But then the second one I brought him in and he had a rash all over his body when I brought him home. So I thought, okay, this is serious. I'll bring him to the hospital. And I brought him in and they, they all said it wasn't from the vaccine, but it was listed as a potential reaction. And after that, um, Yeah, I could handle so much corruption. But when you mess with children, that's a different story. And so I ran in uh, the federal election in 2011 for the Canadian Action Party. Yeah. And that party is about what was it no longer exists, but it was created by Paul Hellyer and it was very pro sovereignty, pro civil rights monetary reform, pretty much everything I stood for, Mm -hmm. and I took advantage of an opportunity to get that message out, and after that, I basically homesteaded and homeschooled for the last 12 years, and then I moved to Peterborough, so I was close to the convoy, a lot of friends being affected out in British Columbia by the COVID mandates, and Like I said, during the inquiry, I felt it was my duty to go on behalf of not just myself, but everyone that I knew that was being affected and that something had to be, you know, we had to have people on the ground and I met the most amazing people there and since then. And I'm so glad because it it really brought us all together and now we Mm -hmm. can... Now we can all work together to transform the country, whereas before we were doing working as individuals. And, um, yeah, there's a lot of good partnerships being formed now. So
0: Absolutely. Well, let me ask you, did you send your resume to the UN? Because it sounds like you weren't <laughs> too interested anymore.
2: No, <laughs> I'm going to start my own.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're going to start your own because you did what <laughs> everybody should do and follow the information and follow the data. And it brought you yeah. to a point where most people don't go when they go through that system. Yes. So that's pretty good. And then, and then Chris, did you do education as well? So in addition to working in the military service, what were you doing uh, with your education?
1: So, sorry, can you say it again? You kind of cut out.
0: No problem. Uh, how about you for education? Did you follow any paths with your education or or was it your service that you focused on?
1: Yeah. So I, I finished high school in 2005, I believe it was, or 06, I forget. And then I, like I said, I went to, I went to university for six months. My mom and dad are both teachers right. and they kind of encouraged me to go to school and I tried it i wouldn't say i really tried because I, I really didn't but i went um so four or five months after that i kind of knew it wasn't it wasn't my kind of thing and i just i joined the military with big ambitions i thought well, i'll just i'll jump in and we'll see what happens and in less than two years or two years i was in afghanistan which was pretty quick
0: did you do cadets at all did army or sea or anything like that
1: so i i wrestled no, from... for uh i wrestled for like 10 or 12 years that was my oh really that was my passion like... yeah
0: like, provincially level or something yeah. like that? Like, did you go no, with I went, it?
1: To, I went to the uh, Canada Games, I was second. And I went to the Pan-American Games, I was second. And I was maybe seven or eight times national champion.
0: Oh, right. Who was first those two times? they got to be huge, right? <laughs> Do you still know who that was? Are they still around? I forget, to be honest. Oh, fair enough. It wasn't Hulk Hogan or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's really neat. So you were seven or eight times champion, you said? Yeah well done well done and then that that you did that before you went to the service or while you were doing it as well
1: yeah that was that was before so it's been middle school high school and i did some in university as well. i mean that's also additionally why i went to when why i went to university i got a scholarship as well to do that but um okay. it, i was finished the competitiveness i didn't like it i just want to move on
0: right and so everybody knows this is more like the olympic style of wrestling not the wwe style yes Right. Okay, cool. And what else do you do for recreation, for fun? Are you into guns? Are you into anything else like that?
1: Honestly, I'm just a family man, to be honest. I just love staying home and spending time with my kids. Um, I mean, I told you a little bit ago, we're uh, we're selling our house right now. We're moving mm-hmm. to the woods. Um, so we're selling our 4,000-square-foot home here, and then we're moving to a cabin in the woods, a 600-square-foot off-grid cabin, and we're going to do some homeschool. I don't like calling it homeschooling. Just we'll keep the kids home, and mm-hmm. um and we'll farm and we'll just uh, we're gonna start networking and just live off the land and get back to what we used to do.
0: That's amazing. That's what we do, too. So we're homesteaders, homeschooling as well. We sold everything in eastern Ontario, set up in Alberta. And, yeah, I have Starlink and solar. There's no wires out here, so I can't get any other type of internet or, nice. or electricity. Uh, but we love it. We absolutely love it. We've done two winters here now. It gets cold in uh, central Alberta, but there's a lot of wood and we can handle this just fine. And that's, right. that's awesome now you're in the process of moving so did you find your place you know where you're going to
1: we do we're moving up north i'm not going to let anyone know where we're going but up north anyways no. yeah yeah uh, that way that's
0: all they yeah. need to know yeah. you don't even need to know what province it's, you're going to
1: the, the place we're moving to has no civic address so it's perfect
0: well that's the only one place left you just talk <laughs> to yourself <laughs> we just have to look for the non-civic address uh, but that's cool so how many children do you have and, and tell us a little bit about you your, your wife and children
1: Yeah, so I have uh, two kids, uh, Ellie and Lexi. Uh, They're seven and five and a half. Uh, My wife, V, who's a stay at home mom, um, we're just home all the time together. We go on road trips, we go on little vacations, we we just do things together. And like our our thought process is that, like, so we had had our oldest go to school for the first half year when the pandemic was going on. And we just, I couldn't allow my child to sit there with a mask on if I couldn't do the same. And so we ended up pulling her home and we just feel that at the end of the day, like if you can teach your kids to read and to be good people, they can learn whatever they want. Right. It's, it's, it's very easy. It's great.
0: So are you staying home with the kids or the wife staying home with the kids or you both are? We, we, we both do. Oh, that's really good. That's yep. really good. And then you're going to be doing the gardening stuff when you set up?
1: Yeah, so we're gonna, once we move, we're going to get into the farming and uh, get a greenhouse and start doing that. And we want uh, to start, start a network within New Brunswick and a little bit of Ontario as well. We have a bunch of like-minded friends that we've met since the convoy, and mm-hmm. it's, it's been great. So we want to keep those networks going and just keep building.
0: Yeah, one of the best things to do is know your neighbours and set up a micro-community. Yeah. So you'll handle some things, they'll handle some things, and if you need to, you can rely on each other.
2: Exactly. Uh,
0: there's a lot of that out here in Alberta, little micro-communities. Uh, it's a great way to be. And then how about you, Maggie? You're doing something similar, right? You're not quite, you are on the grid, but you're still doing some stuff similar?
2: Yeah, my life has changed quite a bit. So, whereas I spent, like I said, the last 12 years homesteading, gardening, Mm -hmm. homeschooling, uh, this since, actually, um, it's been one year since I Kind of started my another chapter in my life, so i um yeah it, we've gone through a bit of a separation, and i'm <clears throat> so so last year I was really focused on just getting myself reestablished into mm-hmm. a new home um setting up a couple couple businesses and yeah, just taking some time to for self-care and healing. and then the inquiry happened, and life took another turn and became very busy, which is hmm. good because uh, good in some ways because it's really following my life purpose and and the path that I feel I was meant to be on for a long time. And obviously, I wish I had, you know, A partner and the support of that but it's sometimes easier to do it on your own and um you have a bit more control (laughs) over your own life sure sure there's
0: a transition period here
2: yeah and i think i think for me with the government exerting so much control during the during covid that really just put the pressure on everything else and Mm -hmm. and i couldn't couldn't uh maintain my level of patience for certain things and anyway so this has been a big transitionary year i put my children in a private private christian school for the year they're 13 and 10 so it was a good year for them to go into something else and allow me to have a little bit more time time to get my own life in order again so yeah it
0: sounds like a deep breath is what you need to just It's kind of reset. Yeah. <laughs> and now you got a bud. Chris is also going to probably bug you for some uh, homesteading advice and maybe some garden advice because you're uh, like mind and, and you understand this stuff.
2: Well, it sounds like he has the homeschooling stuff down right. It's absolutely true. If the children learn to read and you really don't even have to force that, um, they will learn what they need mm-hmm. to learn. And having their parents to interact with as opposed to the peers is much better for their character Mm -hmm. and yeah so there's one of the projects i'm working on has to do with sharing the knowledge i i have with with homeschooling because i spent a lot of time researching that and really came to the conclusion that we don't need all of this extra curriculum and we don't need to spend a whole bunch of money on that that comes down to teaching them to to be part of the household part of the family firm have their duties and responsibilities and um yeah also (laughs) give life experiences teach them character and the educational piece you know to kind of go back to to a model of true education like we saw in the 1800s because they've been dumbing us down for the last century and you just have to read the writings from the 1800s to see that we're not we're not being educated and there's a lot of stuff that they're not teaching us and that's why we're right. in this situation so
0: well maybe you can write a book about um climate change <laughs> truth for homeschoolers because you know that subject quite well and uh, that's a subject <laughs> we have to teach the truth about that kind of stuff that might be an interesting book Um, Okay, so you guys kind of have resets going on, both of you, or restarts going on here. Uh, Chris is selling everything and moving into some unknown location. Only CSIS will know. Nobody else will know. And uh, Maggie is resetting and restarting, got the kids at the private school, taking a big, deep breath, and uh, getting the next chapter going. So I think we caught you both at a really good time to kind of see where your life is and where you're going to go with that. So I think this is going to be an excellent interview. Um, So I'm going to go to Chris now. I'm going to start to get us into what's got you at the, the uh, events uh, at, in the convoy. Um, and I, I'm sorry that we're going to have to be going through some of the what actually happened to you. So if you need to take a break or anything like that, just give me the heads up. That's cool. Uh, I can always jump to Maggie and continue. Um, but, yeah, I do want to take you into the events that took you to the convoy. So. Sure probably like the rest of us you heard about it on news of some sort so why don't you try and take me back to the first time you heard about the convoy whether it was already there or coming and what got your attention
1: Sure. uh i'd say the first time we've been on social media like everyone else um we didn't go out for the first two weeks um we did make our way the third weekend i believe it was um my wife and i we just wanted to see because we had we we watched the news right and we we watched social media and it was all conflicting We thought, Well, we want to at least go see ourselves so we can get a good view and a factual view for ourselves. And, uh, we went down, I forget the date, but it was the weekend that the, uh, the veterans took down the memorial, the fence around the, mor- uh, around the memorial. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So that was my first, uh, my first instant being down, which was a great day. That was when, uh, Brian Marr, he brokered a deal with the police to, uh, take down the fence and have us man at 24 seven. Um, I mean, the government putting that fence up was just outrageously disgusting. It was an insult.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: so that was my first instance. Uh, it was a great. We stayed for two nights. We went up to two friends, and then we we, we quickly went back. Um, I think it was I forget the timeline, but a few days after, uh, maybe like a week after. So when the Emergencies act was getting called, um, we were at home. My wife and I were at home, and we were what we were me, we were watching the um, the voting in the House of Commons, and. Uh, couldn't believe it passed and i thought i have to go back i I have to go back to ottawa so the next day and i forget it was the 16th or 17th or whenever it was and i i rushed up that day i left the house at 5 a.m i got up there uh i think it was the 17th that night i went to the memorial um went there for the it was like that that was the congregation spot so all the veterans knew that's the place to meet right so we show up there we chat um so i showed up there on the 17th and, uh, I chatted with a guy named Chris Ivy, someone I had met for two seconds. And I, I always forget to leave this guy to my story and I shouldn't, um, because the following day when I needed someone to pick me up, this guy was the only contact I had. I called him up. He picked us up. He picked me and the other guys up, drove us home. He put me up in his house for a couple of nights, just, uh, the athlete, outstanding Canadians.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so that was my, sorry. And, uh, so the fence of the first weekend and then, uh. Sorry, my train of thought just all over the place. No
0: problem, no problem. You went back on the seventeenth. Uh, this guy gave you a ride. You stayed there for a couple of days. Uh, you were hanging out at the memorial with the rest of the vets.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, what 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 also pushed me to go to Ottawa was just the uh, over the two and a half years and just the nonsensical. It, 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 if you have a brain or you can have any kind of critical thinking, you know, when they when they when they're telling you vitamin D is bad for you or not good, it just it should be obvious, right? Right. And there was a point um so every year, after my accident, every year on the day I would go to Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and there's two of my brothers that are buried in Nova Scotia, the ones oh, in Newfoundland. Sorry. so every year after my accident, on the anniversary day, I would go lay flowers, drink a beer, and you know say a few words, eleven or twelve years or thirteen years after that, and then the pandemic happened, and for some reason. I couldn't be in my own vehicle by myself to cross a border alone to a cemetery with no one but dead people. Right. And it, it, that was the moment that it, it crossed me, right? I, I couldn't go and grieve, which I've done for the past 12 or 13 years. And it was the one day I needed
0: this. Yes. You needed to be there. And this was for the people who are just uh, following the story. Now, there was a bubble around the Maritimes where they're making it difficult for people to come into the Maritimes at all. So yeah. this is what you ran into. You were trying to drive there and they stopped you and you wouldn't let you in. Yeah. And they gave and you we, no options. Like you could come back later with something or a piece of, no, they just like would, go home.
1: I was making phone calls all over the province. I was I was getting in touch with military and provincial. I just, I couldn't get in touch with anyone. There was no one I could get in touch with that would let me cross. No one.
0: I'm sorry that you missed that. Did you end up going back the next year?
1: I have been back since. Um, I don't know what it is. Just uh, I, I got to get back there soon. We just but well, we've been nonstop busy and.
0: When is your no, anniversary for I
1: this? Get, I got to get back. It's December thirteenth.
0: December thirteenth. Well, yeah, we got lots of friends. We got lots of friends, right? Let's make sure we get you there. Um, you got to go back. Got to get back there. Agreed. Yeah, so you you were discovering pretty early that uh, agenda, narrative, things were really wonky. You ran into a physical problem where you couldn't go and do your, your uh, memorial routine. And so now you're upset with what's going on here in Canada. This is not normal for you. So this is what kind of highlighted to you that you needed to be more active. And this was just before the convoy then, right? Yes, yeah right so december so now in january the convoy is being talked about it's starting to move end of january it shows up in ottawa and you didn't go for the first couple weeks but you went on the last third week so that means you were there uh just before the ea dropped the first time so you were helping right then you went home ea drops you start to come back now i'm going to move to maggie so we can get her brought up to this part of the timeline as well so maggie um you're going on with life you're doing your thing and uh when did you first hear about this convoy did you hear about it as Mm -hmm. it's rolling around or after it got to Ottawa when did you first hear about the convoy
2: yeah I heard about it social media I can't place exactly when or where but as it started coming across the country um it's pretty exciting to see Hmm. the amount of people coming out and I just knew I knew I had to be part of it. I started getting really excited and, and asking, are we going to go? Are we going to (laughs) go? And, uh, basically just got myself ready to go. And I guess for me, the, it was a remembrance day before that, uh, the, we had spent the whole summer up North working on different community projects, uh, people who had moved up north and, you know, a, a lot of people that I know have kind of been seeing what was coming for a long time. So. Right.
0: Cause you've been in the agenda stuff for quite some time. So. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah we saw that what was coming and I, I remember one day I was up there and the Toronto star article came out and on the front page, it was like, we have zero empathy for the unvaccinated. I hope right. they die. And um, so, and then the Remembrance Day that followed, hearing Trudeau give his speech that, oh, we'll never let this happen again. Um, <clears throat> and then I did a comparison for myself of the legislation they passed in Germany versus how they were doing it here. And it was almost a parallel of how they were doing it. And so going into that winter, all I wanted to do was leave Canada and the travel restrictions, I'm a problem solver, I could not find a way to get me and my family out of Canada. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And so I lost, I was, I normally have a lot of routines in place to make sure that my mental health is very, you know, is, is good. And that January, I could feel it slipping. And Mm. a lot of people did. It was like such a darkness at that time because, you know, the second week of January, I think, is the darkest, hardest time for for correct in the north. I think that statistically, that's when people, you know, are most likely to... To end be their depressed life. depressed. And, and be depressed, yes, yes. Yes. And so I remember mentioning it to my close circle, like I'm not doing well. And then the convoy happened. So it gave me such a boost. Okay, I'm going to do something. <laughs> and, well, yeah, it was uh, exciting.
0: So you weren't scared of all the white races coming from the West then?
2: Not at all, no. No,
0: because there's a bunch of us that were called racist and misogynists and stuff. You weren't worried about us making our way there?
2: So I've been seen through the the way that the media portrays things for a long time and I can pretty much spot their lies really well they're talking yeah yeah that's
0: how you know they're lying they're talking
2: yes so
0: (laughs) so you didn't believe any of that hype at all you knew from the very beginning this is something special and this is something that feels good especially we saw the flags on the road and stuff
2: oh absolutely I was so proud to be Canadian seeing that happen and I went to the the overpass near my town and there was such a great energy there and I got to see some of the local people that I didn't know were like-minded at that time so that was good you know we became closer friends after that and the night before I left it was the second weekend I, I will say <clears throat> I saw a Toronto Star article again of course and it was I was so disturbed at how they were per- portraying it and they made a statement in there about we haven't gotten a number from the police on how many additional rapes have taken place in the city. And I thought, wow, they are going too far. And Do they port- try to say
0: unvaccinated or raping people? I like, guess that's where they head with that?
2: That's, it. It was just the... The propaganda they were putting out, the 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 psychological fear mongering to keep people from going, um, mm-hmm. and I won't say I hesitated, but I thought they're going to take this they're going to take this really far if they're willing to Do that. to say this kind of stuff. And um, but we went, and I went with a a girlfriend from college, and we had a great time, and we were treated like very well, by everyone, by the men, obviously. You know, everyone there. Yeah, girl. you felt Absolutely. very comfortable. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, um, so I'm not. So sure now I'm you're
0: happy. at the now you're at the event, but you're there before things are getting crazy, like this, uh, from February 14th and on. So before the EA drop, you were there and enjoying yourself, having some free food, listening <clears> to <throat> music, seeing lots of flags. I bet you didn't see many Nazi flags or anything like that.
2: Not at all I, I did see I'm pretty good at reading a crowd and seeing who's comfortable and there were people coming in and they were just coming to observe and I could spot them and I would go up and talk to them and welcome them to the space and help them to feel comfortable and they they ended up like taking off their masks and you know joining us mm. so um, I had a lot of fun with that I I found myself again while I was there and that like inner organizer and communicator and person that, you know, can, can enjoy a crowd. So it was good and be independent at the same time. Cause Mm -hmm. after that I went back by myself for the rest of the time and just met great people. So.
0: All right. So how many times did you go back during this part?
2: So I went down that first weekend. And then the next weekend, I went back with a group from from Peterborough here. And then I came back the next Wednesday, the Valentine's Day, when they announced the emergency act and stayed until the end. So,
0: Okay, so at that point, you you were deciding to stay. Now, were you resisting or that was your plan all along? Was it stay for a little bit longer?
2: Oh, I I stayed even afterward. I went to Armpire. For the week following okay. and we set up our camp and people were coming from all across the country still because they they were coming they were coming and they didn't stop coming so we all had a big camp in arm prior and other camps and continued to to meet meet all these beautiful people from across the country so
0: yeah you're saying shoulder to shoulder with them all you went back so now i'm going to do i'm going to jump to chris and we're going to start talking about the day that the police are starting to come in so chris so now you're back there you've you've done the memorial thing it came down you're hanging out with this cool guy that you met who let you stay for a couple days the ea drops and you guys are hanging around now did you think when you heard the news that they were going to drop the ea that they were going to get violent or did you think that maybe the this was still going to be adversarial a little bit, but maybe we could work our way through this. What were you thinking when you heard about that news?
1: Well, um, among the veteran community, I, I, I talked to a few people and um, pretty much the consensus was 95, 96% sure that the police were going to go down, bust skulls and, and clean it up. Okay. Um, so th- there was there was a small percentage that I was going there thinking, you know, you never know, maybe some police do stand up and walk away and then maybe others follow suit. There's a small chance but for so the it most has part, happened around
0: the world. Some yeah. places they've done that. The police did the right thing.
1: Yeah. But I mean, for the, for the most part, when, you see, when we see them lined up, it was 1225 and it was, must have been four or 5,000 police. It was, it was ridiculous. Um, they were outfitted to, to finish it up that weekend. It was pretty obvious.
0: Now, did you see any tactical things? Like, it was a military event. Did you see them doing things like getting ready from one side, another side? Did you see them, like, cattling or anything like that? Like, tactically, did you see any, anything happening, like, on the field?
1: Uh, nothing that I could really put to be on. I mean, my, my time in the military was pretty, was pretty limited with my time in. Um, um, but I mean, honestly, I was just standing there with the people and, uh, I I went there with a mission and my mission was to get my ass kicked because I wanted to go to show the Canadian people what the police are willing to do. And if they're willing to beat me and I, I'm, I'm going to preface this as well, I'm going to list my injuries. So for those of, do. that don't know, so after, when I was, when I was bombed, I, uh, I broke my foot. My foot was facing the other way when my friend found me. My ankle was broken. My hip was broken. 35% of my back was broken. I damaged both my lungs, my kidneys. Uh, I sustained a traumatic brain injury. I sustained PTSD. When I was sitting in the tank, when the, the lab sorry, uh, my face, I was looking into a scope, right? So my, when my right eye um, kind of got crushed into the scope. which was all metal and steel. So my nose and my eye and everything, my cheekbone was all crushed um what else do i do uh hearing loss tinnitus whatever but uh, like i I get i get pretty banged up so when i was at the when i was at the convoy i was telling the police i was conversing with them i had about 20 to 30 minutes and i was conversing with each one of them and each one i made known i said listen i got blown up in afghanistan if you happen to arrest me you don't need to you know violently beat me just arrest me and, and be done with it so yeah
0: yeah, so you let them know ahead of time. I even think you mentioned in the POEC that you let them know that you had some medication for pain relief. I, and I you could. were really, yeah, so you were there letting them know what your situation was because you were concerned they may take it too far. You understood you were going to be maybe rough-handled a bit or arrested. You understood that. You were there for that. Yeah. But you also let them know that, look, you don't need to. I'm not going to resist. I'm not going to fight you. Uh, you. You don't have to be rough with me. You can of yeah. talk to them ahead of time. Yeah, and I, now, and I,
1: also, I was good.
0: Yeah, now were you making contact with them or were they were they saying like yeah okay we understand or were they just kind of staring through you?
1: Uh it was 50/50. something like I had two police officers. One uh, Mr. Jung Kim. He he shouldn't have been there and he told me. He like he he was one of the people that I thought if anyone's going to get up and walk away it's this person or like there was a few. They knew what they were doing was wrong, but the consensus was going against it and there was too much pressure against them and they just they didn't have enough, they didn't have the fortitude to stand up and say, no, this is, this is not right. They're weak. And so that's why I will take my time and I will address that. Uh, the policeman who beat me, I'm going to criminally charge him. I'll get after him. Take me, if it takes me 10 years, I don't care. We need accountability. Right.
0: Right. Well, we have private prosecutions and other things available to you. So if you want to follow through with that, we can help you with that. Uh, I just wanted to let you know, we interviewed a gentleman named Rick Abbott. He was a staff sergeant for the Edmonton Police Services. And he took us through this incredible story about how the police service itself was cracking down on officers and getting them to comply all the way to 99, 100 percent compliance all the way to shaming them and making them eat in a room called the shame room if they wouldn't comply. So even on the police level, there was a lot of brainwashing and uh, indoctrination going on. So I can understand that this one officer who didn't feel comfortable with what was going on, I can understand why they were still there. They saw mm -hmm. colleagues being fired. They saw a lot of other people having trouble. Uh, But I'm glad you got names.
1: Yeah, they were afraid of their promotions, paychecks, and uh, what else is it? Uh, Pensions, yeah.
0: Right. <laughs> the PPP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying what they're doing is right. I'm just saying this is where they were at and this is what was going on. Um, and I'm sure if you remember, the OPS, Ottawa Police Services, let go tw- 20% of their police force because they wouldn't fax. So you were left with all the ones that were highly compliant with their uh, senior which, command.
1: Which is not what you want.
0: No, no, not if you percentors. want 100%, but they got the creative thinkers out. And I think that's part of the design. And Maggie knows this. She knows that this is part of the design. Uh, you get uh, the free thinkers out and you're left with the robots. Uh, she understands this one. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to jump back to Maggie and see what got her up to that point where she's now facing the police officers. And then I'll come back to you and we'll, we'll do your video and, and take it from there, if you don't mind. So, Maggie, you were hanging out and it was party time. You're having a good time. <coughs> the EA drops. Did you, th- uh, as Chris just explained, he understood that it might get rough and he understood that he might get arrested by sticking around. And that was kind of his point to show Canadians, uh, people standing up for this. And hopefully, he was hoping, maybe some of the cops would, you know, drop their, their gear and do the right thing. We've seen that happen in other countries where the police officers in the riot gear drop their gear and do the right thing. Were you along that mindset too? Or did you think this is going to get rough? Uh, so when you decided to... Like, first, you're going to tell me the story of where you, you found that spot to sit down at or kneel down at. Uh, but before you got there, did you think they were going to rough you up? Or did you think maybe if I show some love and patience, they may smarten up? What was your mindset at that time?
2: I had been hearing reports from the previous day. So I was arrested the day after Chris. And so I was hearing reports all day that they weren't actually charging anyone, that they were, um, roughing them up, taking them out of town. So when the announcements were going off that you'll be charged and arrested and you need to move, I knew that their threats were empty and that we weren't doing anything wrong. And I wasn't going to back down from that. At the same time, I had no intention of being arrested that day. I, I didn't really know what my plan was. Um, So it did happen somewhat organically. At a certain point, it just happened naturally, I'll say. And.
0: Now, you didn't think you'd be arrested because you didn't think you were doing anything wrong. So you thought that they're not going to arrest you because you're not doing anything wrong?
2: Well, I thought that they would arrest us, but they wouldn't charge us with anything because they couldn't. They couldn't justify any of the arrests. so. I was willing to... So you thought they
0: would detain you and lock you and move you. You you knew that because of reports from the day before. They're just moving people out of town and dropping them off. Yeah. So you thought that would be the worst case scenario?
2: Yes. Okay.
0: So that seems to be like in a calculated risk. It doesn't seem to be a big deal. If all is going to happen is you're going to move around and drop you off. Yeah. Is that what ended up happening? So... And...
2: (laughs) And I was... Yeah, go ahead with your question.
0: No, Sorry. I was going to say, so as you told me before, I think it was a Canada Day special when we first met you. Uh, it was kind of interesting how you found yourself right where you were. There was something about a piece of paper. Do you want to kind of recall that?
2: Of course. Yeah. So they had at that point, they had taken all of Wellington. So they took down the, the stage area and then they moved us all down. One of the side streets so i believe people were either on o'connor like myself or bank or metcalf at that point possibly okay. some other streets as well but those were the main ones and it was quite disheartening i remember when they they took down the stage and i remember just seeing them rip down the the canadian flag and i took a step back and i just sat there and had a little talk with myself <laughs> And uh, by the time they pushed us back to O'Connor, they took some time to regroup on those side streets. And up until that point, there were not that many people uh, that were finding their way into Ottawa to to be there with us. And okay. then, when once we were on those side streets, I looked back and I just saw like hundreds of people streaming their way up the street to join us, and it. It, it was like a scene out of Braveheart, you know.
0: <laughs> the cavalry's here. <laughs> they're, they're here.
2: They're here. Just
0: missing the horses. That's all you're missing.
2: <laughs> yeah, and and I just knew everyone here was such good, good people, and I've always stood up to bullies. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not a, a violent or aggressive person, but I will get in the way of a bully, and. um I think that's kind of my inner bull came out and I saw, saw, you know, something just kind of came over me and I knew what I had to do. And I looked over and somebody had a whole pile of the Bill of Rights and like nice big copies of it. So I took a whole bunch of them and I put them along the line and I, you know, we're right in front of Parliament. Parliament's right in front of us and Parliament building is right on the Bill of Rights, you know
0: so i put it on right there
2: yeah i put it on the line and i told the officers individually that that they may be able to justify clearing the streets because they really wanted the trucks to move and even that i don't think is justifiable obviously but uh, to turn on just the people at this point they would be trampling our bill of rights with their boots literally and figuratively. Right. And I was not going to move past this point. And I knelt down and I prayed. And a man from the Middle Eastern culture, I'm not well versed in that, but God love him. He laid down his prayer mat and he went and he started praying and somebody passed up a Bible and they put it on the line and then they switched the police. So the, 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 blue coat police were originally in the front and then they switched them with the riot police
0: right move on on
2: the people you know so they put the really violent guys against the people Mm. and so that was interesting and I I think I got up and I I said the same thing to them I don't know if they understood me but I was really clear with the guy in front of me I'm not moving (laughs) (laughs) and uh there was a bunch of people in the crowd who also felt like that was the line for them. And mm-hmm. they had, they had been willing to do that further up the line. And when they saw me go down, they were like, okay, we're going to do this together. And they knelt down beside me. And when they moved forward, we just didn't move. We, we stayed right there and kind of like Chris said to show the Canadian people what they're, what they'll do, you know? Yep. And sure enough, the second we got behind that first row, they, they just, I don't know exactly what happened with Jeremy glass from Shelburne. He, we, it took me months to figure out who was actually with me on that line. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he's started rallies in Shelburne and Ontario and they've been quite successful anyway. uh, But they, they threw us, they threw me to the ground. My hands were in front of me and And they, one of them took, like, took their knee and just jumped on my back with it. And that was
0: not necessary. Then
2: there, then there was several of them on top. And I couldn't, I couldn't move my arms, but they kept saying, put your hands behind your back. And I couldn't because of the weight of my body and their, their Mm -hmm. body. And Mm -hmm. eventually I looked up to try and communicate to them. Like, "I'll, I'll gladly move my hands. Like if you could just ease up a bit. And they, they had a gun right at my head. So, so afterwards, even though I knew what I was doing and I was okay with what I was doing and I was willing to do that, I had some PTSD after that from because the pain, I associated the pain with the image and it took a few right. days for that to actually kick in. And all of a sudden it was like constant flashbacks to that. But I'll go back to that moment and... So they picked me up off the ground and they handed me to the police officer from Ottawa. And he's like, he just looked at me and I looked back at the scene and the bill of rights was, swir- they were all swirling up in a wind tunnel with the, with the snow like this mm-hmm. behind the, the riot police moving forward. And he, he dropped a tear and he said, I want you guys to know you won this today. You proved you were peaceful and the truth will come out one day. And then he processed me and drove me out of town like a raccoon and dropped me off in the snowbank with a few others. But you know, right away the they were dropping us at a tow yard where they were taking the trucks, and there was a trucker there with some of the with one of the men from the biker church. And they drove us back to that church. And I walked into this warm building with a huge mosaic of Jesus right in front of us and warm food and cots and good people. And I just knew we did the right thing. We did the right thing. And, um, and it was like a high in a way. We, yeah. you know, we kind of went through a portal that day of fear. It's like, well, we're not gonna be afraid of, of this. And I've read a lot of old Christian books like John John Bunyan's Pilgrim Progress. Sorry, am I saying that right? I always mess, mess that up. I think it's John Bunyan. Is it case, Paul or John? Anyway, I'm but sorry. he talks about paper dragons, right? So when we're afraid of something and that's what they looked like. They, to me, they just looked like green paper dragons that actually had no authority And if we go through it, we'll break the illusion of their authority. And hopefully that's what we've, what we're doing and what we'll do. And it, it kind of is proven the fact that there was no charges. There was, Mm -hmm. we, we, you know, will be proved right in the end and already we are. So
0: yeah, we're on that stage now. I think we're on that stage that the officer was mentioning as his tear came down before he drove yeah. you out of, out of town. We're at that stage now. So thank you for creating Maggie's Line. So you created a Maggie's Line, and then people joined you on that one. And I just want to let everybody know, you mentioned the Bikers Church. Uh, so Pastor Rob and Melissa Mc- McKee will be on tomorrow. I'll be interviewing them tomorrow from the Bikers Church. So if you want to tune into that one, you might see them again, or at least some of the people that you... Uh, you met at that uh, tow yard uh it's a great group of people so we'll be seeing them tomorrow a special saturday one because that's what they're available so we'll be having them on tomorrow so chris what i'm going to do is i'm going to bring it to you and i'm sorry buddy but i'm going to bring up your poec testimony because i think you captured quite a bit of it right there and then what we'll do is we'll go into uh, the rest of your story after we watch that video if you don't mind
1: that's
0: good okay. <clears throat> Now this one still bothers me, so I can imagine you, Chris, so sorry.
1: So, I just want to ask some questions about your background uh, really quickly. So, Mr., uh, Mr. Dearing, I understand that you're a veteran of the Canadian Armed Forces? Yes, sir. And you served a tour of duty in Afghanistan?
2: Yes, sir. And I understand that you were wounded on that tour? I was. Can you briefly tell the commissioner about that event? Sure.
1: I joined the military quickly in 2007, uh, finished my training very quick. I was deployed to Afghanistan in 2008. So in less than approximately two years, I was in Afghanistan. Uh, Four months into my tour, my vehicle was hit by a IED, which took my vehicle, sorry, it uh, blew my vehicle about 100 feet in the air, killing three occupants immediately and leaving me seriously wounded. I asked the policeman who was on both sides of me, I said, do you mind, you know my conditions, is it okay if I sit or kneel because I'm in chronic pain? It was obvious, my face was flushed and I cried multiple times and I don't cry ever. I was. It was the worst pain I had felt since I'd been blown up. The fact that I couldn't sit or stand was to me cruel and unusual punishment. We would go 15, 20 minutes without even moving. I also asked if I could have my medication in which I had my prescription and my medication on my person so that if I needed it, I could ask. I asked and I was denied my, my, comf- my medication to comfort my duress. If I could, I'd like to speak directly to you, sir. I think uh, I'd like to ask you and as a, as a veteran, I'm asking you that this never happens again. You have the power of a whole country behind your opinion please use it to protect the Canadian people from this kind of misbehavior from this government towards its people ever again. Please. Thank you.
0: Chris, thank you for saying all that. I really appreciate that. Thank you for saying that for us. This is what everybody was thinking and feeling, and uh, you represented us very well right there, Chris. Uh, Can you kind of take me back to that moment when you were talking to Rolu, Rolo, and you were looking right at him. What was his expression? What was he doing at that time?
1: Initially, I, I thought he was. Uh, his look seemed as though he was. He was really taking what I was saying in, uh, and, and I thought. I thought he'd be Um Obviously, I don't. I don't think he cared one bit. I mean, he listened. He probably understood, but I don't think he gave one shit. To be honest.
0: Yeah, well, we saw that in his report, didn't we? Yeah. So in the end, you know, he gave you a face to look at, but I don't know if he was connecting with you on that he, at all.
1: I, I will say he was he was the only one person to thank you for my service. That was it.
0: He did? Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good. That's good. Well, we do love you for that, for sure. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to go back to the day that this was happening. You had two officers on either side. You wanted some relief. You couldn't get it. So did they pick you up and put you into a vehicle and take you away like they did with Maggie and drop you off?
1: Well, uh, do you mind if I go back to the beginning just to kind of recap?
0: Please go. Please go. Okay. Yeah. So,
1: so it was, it was around, uh, tw- So, like I said, I came up the 17th that night. Uh, I met some people. The following day, I, I slept in my car that night. I wanted to get the full experience. So I slept in the snow in my backseat of my car. Um. I woke up around, you know, five, six o'clock, kind of started, started moving. I went down to the war memorial around, I'd say eight or eight thirty. grabbed a coffee, started chatting. And then I, we, we saw the police mobilizing I think it was later on. And, um, so 1220, uh, there was a handful of uh, veterans around the memorial and we said, well, it's time to go. The police were mobilizing. So we all went. Um, so we lined up probably about 1225, 1230, um, which we had a face to face probably twenty or so minutes before they even started uh, advancing. We had time to converse. So, I, like I said, I had time to talk with four or five or six police officers. Had a five minute chat with each one of them. But like Maggie said, as soon as you chat with one of them, they kind of move around so they get they don't they don't want to get too personal, right? And then they switch to right. another people. So uh, and like the the last person that I spoke to, my luck, the guy happens to be like six foot five or six foot four, whatever he was, two hundred and thirty pounds. And uh I told him, too. I showed him the photo. I bought ba- my crater. I said, listen, you know, if you do arrest me, just don't hurt my back. The guy kneed me right in my side twice. The guy's 240 pounds-ish. Um, Pretty pretty hard blow. So I, I took two knees to the side. Um, The second one pretty much turtled me. I, I knew I couldn't take a third one because it could have broken something or really damaged me. So I turtled up. Um, as I was laying down, they punched me, i say four or five times in my head. I got a little bit of damage in my head. They hit, anyways, they're police. They they can't. Um, (laughs) so that was that they had pushed my head in the snow for about a minute and a half while they zip tied my hands. So I was laying down, probably face down for about two minutes. Um, they finally brought me up to a standing position. Um, I needed help because I couldn't get up. So I had one officer on each side. They then walk me down to the processing line, which was probably about 40 meters away or so. And it's all full snow and a bit hard to walk. So again, they're lifting me down there pretty much, we're walking down. Um, and like I said earlier, the, uh, the processing line, it took two hours from the, the end to the start or the start to the end, however you want to look at it. So for two hours in minus 20 degree weather, I was zip tied, standing up. They wouldn't allow me to sit. They wouldn't allow me to kneel. There was no reason by it. There must have been four thousand cops there. What am I going to do? Run away? Right. So they denied me that. Again, I asked for my medication. Uh, they and I and I I wanted them to deny me it because it's just an, another, another kneel in the coffin. I didn't care. I, I can I can take some pain, and that's why I was there as well because civilians shouldn't have to be beaten. It's people mm-hmm. like I don't I don't mind. It's all right. I can deal. I can deal with it. Civilians shouldn't be beaten, and, and the abuse that day was absolutely disgusting. If I had done that on my tour of Afghanistan, I would have been flown back home, court-martialed and given a five-effort lease. Um, anyways, I digress. Um, so I was there. Uh, they was at the processing line. It took two hours. Every 15, 20 minutes, we'd slowly move a little bit. And I mentioned the video too, like I never cry ever. Um, I think I cried twice in the line because my face was all flush. I was like in agony. And it, for anyone that knows, anyone who has chronic pain, the worst thing about being in chronic pain is not being able to move around. Um, okay. if, if you're stuck in one position, your chronic pain gets worse when you can't move around. And that was that was the worst two hours of pain I've had since I've been literally blown up. Um, we finally get to the end of the line. They take my uh, information. They take my little photo and the little whiteboard, and then they put me in the back of the squad car. The guy, uh, sorry, the, there's two police officers in the in the front of the car, and I'm in the back. When they put me, actually, sorry, I gotta go back just one second. Sure. Yep. When I was in the line, I had my medals on my jacket. I had three medals: I had my campaign star, my sacrifice medal, and my Queen Jubilee medal. And during the, the shopping, one of my medal, uh, one of my uh, clasps came off, so it was only hanging on by one pin. So to save it, I put my medals in my pocket, but I ended up losing my my Queen's Jubilee. They knocked the police knocked it off, so I'm still missing a Queen Jubilee medal. Um. All right, so fast forward again. Uh little be the process. In, the in the car. In the car. Yeah, sorry, in the car. Um, and they're reading, my, reading me my rights and what I'm being charged with. And again, like Maggie said, like it's it's empty. It's ridiculous. Like they can they can they can say they want to charge you with whatever. It's garbage. Mm-hmm. So uh, for me, it was public mischief and um, uh, public mischief and oh, I forgot the other one. Resistance or anything? No, they want they want to put assault on mine, but I'm like guys like that's that's ridiculous go for it i don't care but uh no there was two i forget the other one but um anyways they, they chat with that for about five minutes and uh, sorry leading up to that when they put me in the squad car i had the zip ties on my on my wrist and my wrists were, be- were behind my back now the way the zip ties were pulling out they were they were coming out from my back so i couldn't physically sit down again i had injuries right so i couldn't physically sit down in the seat i was lying on my side and i also have i also have uh hearing loss so the, the, the policeman he, he's talking to me and you know they get that glass right and I'd say excuse me sir I, I can't I can't hear you and I asked him three times and every time he get angry thinking I was like messing with right. like sir I I had hearing loss I'm sorry I can't hear you and he get frustrated and whatever but after ten minutes the um, the senior officer he went for a few minutes and he came back and he said well you know today's your lucky day so is that so he said yeah you're not being charged with anything I said well that's great. I said, uh, I said, kind of, what uh, what changed? He said, no, you don't need to know that. I said, okay. So at that point, in my understanding, I'm free to go.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No. So mm-hmm. as soon as they finished that, they're like, okay, you can get out of the car. Now you're going to go into this paddy wagon. Said, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why am I going to a paddy wagon? I'm free to go. But like, again, Maggie said, they, they want to waste your time. They want to truck you out in the city so they can use your time. up. So I sat in the paddy wagon for 45 minutes. And for anyone who has never been In a paddy wagon, when it's cold outside and they're stationary, there's no heat. So, and in the the middle is all metal; it's all or steel, whatever. It's it's freezing. And there's so when you walk in, there's only one portion that you can really stand up tall. The other spots is pretty much like a bench; you get to sit down, right? So, for me, after the two hours of the paddy wagon being filled up, I had chronic pain and I had to stand up. So, I had a little spot that was probably like. a a really tiny spot that I had to stand. I had to ask the other four people. I said, do you mind if I go stand in that little hole so I can stretch my back? It was brutal. Um, So eventually after a couple hours, they drove us around and they dumped us off at this. uh, What was it? Sorry. Hang on. It was a public works building, um, like 20 minutes outside of the city. And uh, they opened the cabinets up. They, they got us out. They gave us our personal items back. they gave us no, they gave us no paperwork. Um, there was two policemen that came out. One was the more scary guy. He, said, he came out. He said, uh, "He said, hey, don't you fucking come back to Ottawa, or we're we gonna charge you." Mm-hmm. And then he went back to his vehicle. And the other officer came out. He's like, "Oh, you guys are great, man. I watch. Uh, Who was he? Watch Jordan Peterson." And he 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 sympathized with us. I'm like, well, "What are you doing then?" Yeah. Um. So that was that was that. Uh, then they ditched us there. That was around. I think six or so in the evening, uh, five 58. And then I called again, that, that guy I met Chris Ivy. I met, him, I met him for five seconds. I called him up. He dropped everything. He drove 40 minutes to get us. He drove me and a few friends to get us home. Um, and I stayed there that night and yeah, it was. So that, experience. So like I didn't, what's that?
0: So you left, you didn't go back. So after you were dropped off in front of the public works building, you called your friend and that was it.
1: Yeah. You know, and I was debating going back the next day, but uh as Maggie will probably tell you, there was a lot of unknowns. I mean it, there was empty promises and I didn't care about getting arrested. the second day was more was way more violent. And I thought like what happened to me was nothing. Getting kicked and punched, whatever. It's not that bad. But being hit with batons, pepper spray, trampled with horses. I had a friend who was hit with the muzzle of a weapon.
0: Mm-hmm. Is that who the video that? that we saw where they were doing that? They're hitting him on the ground with a muzzle?
1: Yeah. And I asked him how it was. He said, oh, well, you know, it wasn't that bad. But that's all the, the people who were there. It was the same kind of sentiment, right? We we're all like, ah, it's all for the greater good,
0: you know? Well, you're also under adrenaline and other passionate things. So you wouldn't have yeah. felt all the pain that was really there as well. Yeah. Okay. So now now you, you're back to your friend's place. You've, you've walked away. You're not coming back the next day. I think that's the day that Maggie is there. So she's the day after you. Yeah. So now what we have is, I'm going to go back to Maggie. So Maggie, now what we have is basically you're both on the same day now. So the day that you get arrested, well, not even arrested, just detained and carted away, you meet up with the biker church people. And then from that point, what happens? Do you go back or do you go to another place or do you go home? I think you're muted. One second. You got me, yeah. I'll
2: go back to the paddy wagon experience as well. Okay. And... That was, that was interesting. I've never been in a paddy wagon before. I've never been arrested before. <laughs> and our paddy wagon was a little bit different than Chris's by the sounds of it. There was, okay. um, we were all in our own little individual cells, so we couldn't see each other. And it did seem like it was going to go on and on forever when we were being driven out. And I just had to think to myself, okay, Maggie, just just assume that you're going to be in this for the next 24 hours.
0: Okay. You're preparing Um, yourself mentally.
2: Yeah. Prepared myself mentally. And so I did that probably within, because they, they were driving rough too. So we were being bounced around and it just felt like they were driving, you know, not considering the fact that people were in the back and cold. Oh, they were
0: considering, they were shaking you (laughs) up.
2: And, uh, so I, I just did that. And, um, And when we finally did stop, it was, we stopped and all of us started singing, Oh, Canada in the back. (laughs) So that's great. Yeah. So we're all sitting there. And then when we got out, they gave us our bags and everything and they didn't break our spirits, you know, at all. And, uh, so that was really beautiful. And I went to the biker church, and I had a hotel in the red zone and I told the police that I said, this is, I, I can't not go back to the red zone. This is where my hotel is. And he said, mm-hmm. Oh, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> he's like, just, just don't go back to the front line. Right. So I got back, I ran myself a hot bath, geared back up and went down and uh, I joined where the bubble bus was parked on Metcalf, and there was still a friend. One of some of the people I met there, they had a whole truck set up with the speakers on it and a DJ, and they were still dancing and and celebrating and gathering. And um, so they were still there, and uh, and then I saw the front line slowly moving and encroaching on on them, and I backed away and just sat it, it was like watching the fun police okay. is what it was. It was like these to the you know they're they're coming and they they just crawled up on this truck and they tore it speakers and like just tore everything down. And so I, I walked back to my hotel and again there was a couple happy people with their little speakers walking through the street, you know with their little group and the police were, you know, trying to move in on these happy people doing nothing, but walking in the streets of Ottawa with their music. And I honestly think that it's really important that we keep our spirits high and that we Mm -hmm. um, stay in that loving energy. And that is, and we keep gathering and coming together because that is, that seems to be what they really don't want us to do. So mm-hmm. it must be powerful. And I know it's powerful. So I I stayed that night. I, I le- did a live in the morning. I shared my experience. And then I left and I went to Armpire the next day. And we regrouped and that's for a bit. Yeah, we regrouped there. And everyone sat around the fire. We all shared our story. It was beautiful. It was like a, a sharing circle. And such a bonding experience yeah do you
0: still know some of those people and do you remember anybody from the uh paddy wagon did you catch any names did you guys exchange any names
2: yeah i was with um i was with dave from the shed was there oh cool
0: so i have a
2: picture of me and him in the in the in the truck that drove us to the to the biker church of us in our bags you know our our uh bags with the city of ottawa on them are arrest bags that's cool who else <laughs> our
0: arrest bags to... this is like the oscars everybody got a bag to take home <laughs>
2: <laughs> i still have that bag i'll have that cool so
0: yeah. we might find that in a museum one day or something but well, uh,
2: that's the thing if we were actually occupying ottawa we would have taken our stuff you know if we were really you know organized we would have taken all of our memorabilia because it would have been pressed that's what terrorists Monday.
0: do that's that's what terrorists do right they, yeah. they take all their stuff and personal items and keep it with them and they pray yeah. for people and they take pictures with other people that's what terrorists do
2: but instead um, we we showed what the government of canada would do instead you know so it's right. more important to show the people in the world what they would do to people like us
0: right and with your agenda 2021 and 2030 stuff you understand that that was all division they were trying to divide and this is why you push hard on unity because anything that they want to do you want to do the opposite of that one
2: yeah absolutely
0: okay so now that you've got back to arm prior prior, i always get that wrong there's an airport there and i flew there all the time i can't say (laughs) the name of it arm prior arm prior arm prior yes there we go Arm, arm arm prior
2: that's how i pronounced it i could be wrong yeah
0: No worries. It works for us today. Um, did you guys sustain any injuries? Did you get any bruising? Did you get any actual injuries?
2: Yeah, my, my back was really messed up. Um, for about a year, I think it was in about this, it was about March that my shoulder stopped being in constant pain and lack of mobility. I can, I can move it now quite a bit. Um, like i said the ptsd was there there was still the adrenaline the adrenaline as you mentioned so it really mm-hmm. didn't hit me until i got home
0: right uh, where's off doctor. and get to the yeah.
2: yeah and at that point yeah the the ptsd kicked in and uh
0: that's when the pain started relating to the memory of the gun, and that's when that started to kick off for you.
2: Yeah, and and I had a hard time sleeping. Um, I started drinking Neo So for twelve years prior to this, I didn't drink any alcohol, I mm-hmm. didn't smoke any cigarettes, I was clean from any anything, uh, and then I started drinking Neo Citron just to put myself to bed, and. Um, Just had, just had a hard time dealing with like my window of tolerance to stress shrunk to zero. Oh, sorry. So everything, everything I was already dealing with in my life, I couldn't deal with anymore. And that's why I left in one year ago today.
0: (laughs) Oh, wow. So we have a bit of an anniversary today.
2: Yeah, but it was all in a way a good thing because sometimes people aren't meant to be in situations so long that they're putting up and tolerating with a large degree of stress and stuff like that. So I look at it as, as you know, I have to, I have to see the lesson in it and look at it as a good thing. And, Mm -hmm. um, I don't have those flashbacks anymore. I've really made an effort to, to heal, as quickly as i can because we still have a lot of work to do in the country and mm-hmm. <laughs> we need as many people in their right mind and healed as we can as we you know as we can get to so it's important absolutely and but some in, would
0: say we have oh sorry
2: but an arm prior was a beautiful experience we got to see i got to see an entire village set up in less than a day And it goes to show what Canadians can do when we work together and we pool our resources together. Because I truly think we could fix this country if we turn our attention away from expecting the government to do it, Mm -hmm. just picking up the ball and starting to fix our communities on our own um, and just step up as leaders across the country and not wait to get elected to do that you know we can we can fix the country by working together so
0: absolutely and i think conversations are a big part of that it's kind of why i'm doing this you may not know but i'm running for office so between now and 2025 uh, my goal is to be an mp Uh, this is my way of reaching people and to teach myself how to be an mp by talking to a whole bunch of people and learning a bunch of things Uh, so this is my path forward so i do appreciate you sharing all your stories because To be a good MP, to be able to represent people, to have your constituents in your mind, you need to be able to talk to all types of people with stories and communicate with them. So this is my mission that I'm on, is to actually win as an independent candidate, go in there without party politics, and do exactly some of this. (laughs) So I may be just one seat, but I'm going to be a very loud one, and uh, they're definitely going to hear from me if I can get in there. So Mm -hmm. uh, I understand completely what you're talking about. Uh, You guys were pounding on the front door, kind of, but I'm going to go in the back door with a key uh, because I'll get elected that way. Um, So that's my plan there, Maggie. So I want to do exactly what you're just talking about. (laughs) Yeah. So, yay, I'm going to try that. Uh, No, Chris, I'm going to come to you. I'm going to actually talk a bit about your injuries that you sustained in that. And uh, Maggie talked to us how it took about a year. Like first, initially she wasn't feeling the pain after she got home, the adrenaline wears off, things start to sink in. She starts to get more pain. She starts to get some PTSD and it took a while for her to work through that. Uh, can you take us through your injuries that you sustained that day and what it meant to you, uh, immediately after?
1: Sure. So I I would agree with Maggie, uh, probably the first four or five days afterwards, the pain was pretty minimal because the the adrenaline was just the the good feeling around, it was just, we felt great. Um, so I didn't feel the natural high. Yeah. Um, so I didn't feel like I got home probably five or six days. Um, I would say my pain was around 70 or 80 days. It was mostly back. Um, and when I say so 40 or 50 or 60 days, like my, my pain scale is zero to 10. And I would say it was about a nine or 10 for the period of those few months. Um, now that being said, I've had, I've had lots of practice with with chronic pain so i spent the last well i was 20 when i got blown up 34 now so i spent 14 years of chronic pain um the first thing about pain club is you don't talk about pain you don't talk about pain you don't manifest pain so um yeah i, I was probably in pain for a couple of months maybe 90 days the max um it was, it was a job to do for me and i can't and, I, okay. and if if again i'll gladly go again um
0: so, how did you manage the pain? Was it through drugs, rehabilitation, just gritting well, it through? I,
1: so, I, I I do smoke cannabis to uh, to relieve some pain. Uh, I try to do it only in the evenings because I I find it affects my cognitive and other abilities. So, I, I try to smoke in the evenings. Um, in the daytime, I've been doing a lot of breathing exercises. I do. Um, I'm trying to stay consistent with the Wim Hof method. Cold showers okay. or a cold plunge uh, takes away your inflammation. feels great. Um, but my main methodology is don't talk about pain. Don't think about pain. Don't even, don't even address it. I mean, I got blown up. I could easily be sitting here at home thinking, what was me drinking myself, you know, and taking pills. But no. why? What, what will that do? Um, No, just no. Uh, a, a clean, healthy living, eat well, try to get outside, get vitamin D, spend your time with your wife and kids or your family. And just, uh, for me, I try to reflect like every day. Like, so I, i do see my i should have been killed right so every day i try to just zone out and say you know what like i'm just lucky to be here so sometimes when i'm upset or frustrated or i'm in pain i go you know what i could easily be dead so it's just
0: right. It's all good, right yeah. and you do know some of your brothers are gone and uh, after some of your brothers are gone I, i've spoken to several vets and this is a lifelong thing for you so thank it, you very much for keeping your perspective on that
1: Thanks. I, I would say too. I, I do, I do believe that the guys are with me all the time, so it kind of makes me four times as strong. So, yeah.
0: Yes, I hear that, brother, for sure. So today you're you're much better. So you you got over that little hump, and you're dealing with your other stuff normally. Now, did did you get any PTSD out of this, or anything else triggered around that?
1: Um, I mean, Yes and no. Um it, it really impacted my my belief system with the police and the government and just
0: so it's more of your faith in the system. I'm, I'm the very government.
1: I'm very conflicted because like I, I I know I went with a purpose and I know I went knowing what was gonna happen. It was a very good probability what was gonna happen happened, and I'm still very grateful that I was able to do that for Canadians and I wouldn't change a thing and I forgot where I'm at right now.
0: Right, But you wanted to be wrong about that. You knew what was going to happen, but you wanted to be wrong in your heart yeah, departs, of hearts. you were hoping the government wouldn't do that. yeah, so your heart your heart was broken by knowing what was coming and then having it confirmed
1: yes. now the, the like the, the byproduct of that now so I, I went in knowing or having a good idea of what was going to happen. The byproduct of that was that I knew we have to have some accountability, right? so my mine was more the patient scheme. I don't mind that. So we filed a lawsuit. Um, okay against uh Justin trudeau the Ottawa police services board peter chief slowly and uh steve bell um i'm patient i'll take five ten years i don't care um mm-hmm. this is the long game for me and it's about getting accountability and i'll say too whatever funds we end up making from that lawsuit they're going to go back to the people um in a, a different multitude of ways
0: Well, do understand that the people would expect you to make sure you're taken care of first and then everything left over is for sure, because you not continuing with a comfortable life after what you went through is not going to help Canada. Uh, Making sure that you're taken care of and then helping Canada is a good way to go about it, my brother. We need to make sure that you have ways to deal with the rest of your journey and stay as comfortable as possible. So thank you for doing that work. And I'm sure anybody else listening, I know some of your friends are listening. we got Alex, Alex Cabana listening. Um, and we have him on Monday, by the way. So if you want to see his interview, you'll see that on Monday. Um, you know, people like him and people like you, we always have to stand behind all the way through the end here. So I appreciate that. And if something happens and we put t- together something for you, like we go with you to the December 13th and we go, go enjoy that memorial with you or something else, uh, accept it. People want to help you, okay? That. Um, no, thank you brother all right maggie so now you're past the the tough part of your country you know coming down on you like this and then you get a call or an email or some sort of message that uh, you're you're expected or you're wanted at the poec so yesterday we spoke to bridget belton about that she had to be subpoenaed and she had to lawyer up or paralegal up uh mm-hmm. what about you Did you get an invite? Were you subpoenaed? Uh, Did you reach out? How did you get involved with the POEC?
2: So that summer, I, like I said, I didn't attend too many events, but I spoke to a lot of people, not a lot of people, my support network in general. One of my friends in town here was was a good support person for me that summer and she, and I shared my story with many people, I guess, many people, <laughs> even though I didn't mm-hmm. attend that many events and people were inspired by it. And I guess the story made made the way around and they asked, I, I got a call saying, we hear you have a story to say, to to tell. And I, and they asked if I would give a statement and I did, and I got a call back within a week asking if I would go and I had a week to prepare. So it was kind of hard because I hadn't gone through any of the video. I had blocked it out of my mind. Mm -hmm. I had moved on with my life as best I could. And so that week I had to peel through video and it was hard, hard to watch. And, um, but going back to Ottawa and being able to share my story in such a public way, even though I feel it didn't really come out and come through during the testimony as much as I would have liked it to, that healed me. (laughs) and especially so afterward I felt like a different person when I went and I shared and then I walked the streets of Ottawa afterwards going back the day before I, I testified I walked the streets of Ottawa and I just wept I cried I remembered everything and then I spoke at the inquiry and then I went I left the building and I walked down the streets again and it was very healing to be able to share share the story so i highly recommend people who were there to go and, and have that experience if they can and even walk the streets cry and sit in a circle at the parliament ground with with the welling street we- regulars whoever is there and share your mm-hmm. story and you know that's how we can heal from that because there is a lot of build up there so that's how i ended up there uh, a friend must have been in contact with the justice center and asked them to get in contact with me
0: so oh so it was the justice center who invited you
2: yes i believe yeah so
0: it, it wasn't the poc itself so it wasn't the uh, council there because you That's weren't on the original list neither one of you were on the original list and then also one day you popped up on the list and were like oh wow look at that um so you're kind of like a last minute addition from the justice center
2: Yes, and they tried hard not to let us on, if you remember. They spent about <laughs> half an hour
0: Objecting to you.
2: Objecting to us speaking, and you know, two out of millions of people who attended, having an opportunity to share their experience of that emergency act isn't too much to ask. So,
0: No, to remind everybody, it was government of Canada that objected to it.
2: Yes, and the police service i think there was quite a few objections to it (laughs) basically
0: the other side (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah, that other side all of them objected to it and then on your side i believe brendan even argued for you uh so the convoy lawyer uh i think rob kitchen kitchen i can't remember his name rob uh, did some arguing for you i love that guy by the way he did some great arguing Uh, and i can't believe i don't have his name i have his autograph somewhere i should put it up in my set Mm -hmm. um some good people there Uh, Did they reach out to you in an interview at all, the Justice Center? Did they kind of have a pre-interview with you?
2: Yeah, it was over the phone, and we did an interview, and then we did the statement afterwards, so yeah.
0: Okay, and that's pretty normal. Did anybody else reach out to you? Did the uh, counsel for the POEC reach out to you as well?
2: No, the the night before, we sat down with the counsel and went over a few things. But
0: that was it. Okay. Okay. Sometimes they'll interview you because they want to be ready as well. But I guess they were just waiting for your testimony. And then, Chris, same question. So um, how did you get involved? Was it the same people? The Justice Center reached out to you? Or how did you get involved in the POEC? Yeah.
1: So I'm trying to to remember back if I was invited or if I asked. I really 100% forget. Uh, okay. I'm pretty sure I was invited again uh, from Epitipiac, uh, with the justice center as well. I'm pretty sure.
0: Okay. So, so there was no note. subpoena. No, you're good. So there was no subpoena. You, you went there willingly. Uh, they invited you.
1: Yep. Yeah. yeah I, I wanted to be on there. I wanted to get some stuff on record. Um, I didn't really feel like I achieved what I wanted to achieve. Like I had all the emotions for the last, you know, three years. And when you get in the stand, it's totally different. And, uh, But I'm still
0: glad we did it. Yeah, Now, what we heard just from Maggie is the day before, she walked the street, a lot of emotions are coming back. She just spent a week remembering it all and seeing video. So now it's all fresh again. Uh, But then she did her testimony, and then she felt therapeutic. There was a release after. Sorry, you're cutting out. Apologies. So Maggie was mentioning how she... Can you hear me now? Can you you hear me now, Chris? Yep, I'm good now. Okay, I'll I'll put myself here, so maybe i will help. So Maggie mentioned that before the testimony, she was absorbing all that information for the week. It was all coming back. It was all fresh again. She walked the streets. It was emotional for her. She reconnected to those feelings. She then gave her testimony, and it was like a therapy. It was therapeutic for her. It was a release. And the next, you know, when she walked out, it was a very different. The air smelled good. She can hear the birds again. Uh, For you, did you have a similar experience when you were done your testimony—did you feel like that was a bit of a, a release for you?
1: Uh yes and no. I was just happy to get it done. I—I I, I don't really like putting myself in forums like that. I'd rather just be in the shadows, and I'd rather just take the beating. To be honest, okay. um, I'm not—I don't, I don't want to be in the forefront. To be honest, I would just rather get the dirty work done. Um, but the, no, I was happy I did it. Again, I wasn't really pleased with my outcome, but after I, I did rewatch it, and it wasn't terrible, and with someone with a brain injury, it was—it was all right.
0: Um, so you, I think you're being critical. So I thought your testimony was perfect, both of you. I didn't think there was anything that could be added, but now's a good chance to add anything that you would want to have said then, and maybe want to you know tie up some loose ends or dot some I's, cross yeah. some t's. Well, you, you, again,
1: it was it was it was the last three years of the whole pandemic. I had all these built up frustrations and emotions, right? Like we all did. And then mm-hmm. once we once the once the convoy started, a lot of that stuff just it's just laugh. So I had, I didn't have those emotions when I was on the stand. And even now, I mean, it's been so long. we have dealt with so much crap and now it's just time to get over the next hedge.
0: I like that attitude a lot. So you went in there, you did your job kind of like a soldier. You went and faced it, you dealt with it, you did it your best you could. Uh, and was there some good relief for you after? Like there was some re- um, relief that it was done at least.
1: Finished for sure. I mean, I, I again, I, I can't stand being in those uh, situations, but uh I I want to get on the next step, which was accountability. Um,
0: mm-hmm. We're still yeah. waiting on that step, aren't we? Right.
1: <laughs> we we should have so, something the summer.
0: You think so? You think we'll have some good accountability to the summer?
1: No, well, not accountability, but we'll have a first step. So I mean, my accountability probably be five, ten years. I don't know, but but yeah, I'm it patient. While. And I'll, and I'll take as long as I need to
0: yeah, we may need another government in there and some people that want to push for accountability right now. There's nobody in there that does that. So what do you mean? Like you think something's going to happen this summer or is this related to your claim or?
1: Well, yes, you we, you we, we, we filed just after, uh, pretty sure just after Christmas in January. So, uh, my paralegal that I'm using right now, uh, Matthew C Olson, he's getting guys amazing. He was a veteran in his past life. He's a pastor. And this guy, man, is like, he's like, he's for the people. He's not his typical lawyer. Um, he's doing things for canada and he's it's he's just great he's, he's a That's good person amazing. and uh and we're going after accountability i mean and, and money as well but the money is is not i don't care about money we're going to use it in, in 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 good ways but uh they seem to love money so we'll have to take some of that from you
0: sure so do you have a hearing or something coming up this this summer like what is there a date coming up that you're looking forward to
1: well, I, I meant to I meant to follow up with my legal counsel before the interview. So after uh, after that, I'll follow up with you and I'll Okay. Let you know no what, problem. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Keep us posted because we can stay on top of that and let people know. You sure. know, You had a hearing here. It's moving forward, or whatever's going on. That'd be cool. Now you mentioned you have a paralegal. So what court are you going through? Are you going through small claims court? Like what court are you going through?
1: Ah, uh, so there's. There's a couple of different. So this is where this is where I like to have him with me too. Like my legal, okay. the legal kind of gets jumbled in my head. So I know there's a few different uh, methods he's doing. Uh, I know he's. I think he started with the OPIRD claim, um, claim but there's, there's different. Okay. There's different things he can do, and I, I, I don't really know. And I trust him to kind of get the job done. So.
0: Well, just to give you a heads up this little piece of paper here is an Ontario paralegal degree. So I have that, uh, actually know what they can and can't do. So you're probably going through some administrative law where you're filing with administrative boards and you'd have some hearings. Are you doing anything on civil? Like are you actually suing in another court or are you going through the administrative process process first? It's
1: a good question. Uh,
0: yeah 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 well if it's a paralegal you're likely going through administrative and maybe small claims court okay. um, because he can't go any higher than that but he can certainly get yourself ready for higher than that so it sounds like he may have a path that he's taking you on which yes. is a good, well, good plan
1: and if, if possible too i'm sure he might want to jump on one of these podcasts as well so if i could tee that up to have both of us on it would, would be better
0: yeah, sure. So next time you want to come back for an update on how your claims going, uh, we'll have you and him back and we'll do exactly okay. that. We'll have an update. Okay. So you tell me when you're ready for that and we'll make that work.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. So we lost Maggie for a second, but I don't know if she can hear us. There she is. Wow. I said the magic word and just like a like a <laughs> bomb in front of her place. She's right there. So Maggie, yeah. same story. Are you doing anything on the legal front? Are you filing any claims? Are you holding anybody accountable or are you putting this behind you and moving forward?
2: Yeah, I I hadn't considered it, but the option came before me, and I'm going with the same lawyer that Chris is going with, and just letting him take care of it. So
0: Excellent. So tell that person, you got another paralegal that would be willing to put in some time just to adopt some eyes and and help with the bills, so we can do some pro bono there. Uh, Thank you. I'd be very interested in how this is going to advance because lots of people like you and Chris uh, may follow in your footsteps. If there's a path forward for some accountability. Mm -hmm. So that's exciting. So keep us up to date. So maybe we'll have you and the lawyer and paralegal and Chris all together as a big update on how that's going. That'll be kind of fun. Mm -hmm. All right. uh... (laughs) Well, we want to get you the attention that you need. We want the public support behind it and you never know who comes out and says, Hey, I saw that episode and I want to help or, Hey, look, I actually have some video you don't know about, you know, stuff like that. Uh, You never know who comes out of the woodwork. All right. So let's put the legal stuff aside now and let's put the pain aside and let's go looking into what are you guys doing going forward? So now both of you are have a bit of a transition in your chapters and uh, you're preparing your new life. Um, What is your goal in, let's say, five years? Where do you want to see Canada and where do you want to see you?
2: Oh, that's a big question. Um, I you got think... plenty of time. <laughs> <clears throat> so even before the convoy, I was always looking for solutions for the country and, and what I could do to, to help, what my role was. And the more I looked, the more I found that what needed to be done was being done. But there was a lot that needed to be done and I basically laid out in a big brainstorm what we needed to do as a country. And now what I found is we have all the pieces of the puzzle and we just need to put them together. And
0: mm-hmm.
2: so I'm, since I did the, well, even before I did the, the speech to my town council about the UN, I created a newsletter where I was laying out kind of a blueprint of the actions that we needed to take on a local level across the country that would create the grassroots movement that we need to see in order to change the country for the better. So if we want to get people elected, we need to do the groundwork. If we want the legal system to bring us justice, We need to expose the flaws in the legal system and relearn how to work with the laws of this country. Um, And I think the greatest power that we have is connecting the people. So when Ottawa happened, it brought together people from across the country who are now connected. And that connection is going to explode into the future of our country. So my passion right now is to connect the people, connect the organizations and connect the network. And so I created a newsletter, I've laid out a blueprint and my newsletter was shut down or deplatformed within a month. <laughs> and now I have to go on to something a little bit different, but that's okay. It'll be more secure in the end. And I'm working, now I'm getting calls from organizations across the country. And I would like to see a, a conference of these organizations to come together and say, look, we're all on the same page. Now, what is the next step? Let's work together. So, and really bring the people back, uh, you know, the power of the people back to the country. Like I said in arm prior, seeing seen what 50 capable, competent men could do in a day and realizing that we the people have the expertise and the resources and the skills and everything we need to get our country back to the Canada that we know it can be and the beautiful people that live here and the freedom that we have in our heart that we've inherited from ages long past, not even before Western democracy. We all know in our heart what feels right as far as freedom. And um, we live in a very resource-rich country with beautiful land. There's no reason for us to have the problems that we have today. And we can fix these problems if we work together instead of expecting, expecting a government that, in my opinion, can be easily compared to a narcissist having an affair with a foreign lover. And if you're in that situation as an individual, there's steps that you can take to get out of that and get your Mm -hmm. life back. So I like to, to look at those steps and see, okay, what do we need to do? And the first step is create a support network. somewhat ignore what what they are doing because they're going to keep doing things to create a reaction and we do see a lot yep. of psyops in place right now that are distracting us and taking our energy and making us upset and then we're reacting and you know in a sense you have to go no contact for a while before you can get your house back you need to get your get on your own two feet and then you go through the legal avenues to get your house back. So gotcha. that's one of the ways I'm looking at it for us, for the do you,
0: country. Do you mind if I play your video? So you have like a four minute TikTok. I have it queued up here. Sure. Uh, I can go ahead and play that. You gotta give everybody an idea what you've been up to lately. Sure. Uh, just let everybody know. It sounds like it's sped up, right? So it sounds like it's sped up to fit in the four minutes. You don't talk this fast, do you normally?
2: (laughs) No, I don't. I'm sorry. I sped it up. I thought it would be better for TikTok.
0: No, no. I just give everybody the heads up so they don't think it's their end or something like that. Uh, So it is sped up, but we got a good four minutes here of what you're talking about. It's actually pretty cool.
2: Like the majority of the population, I was raised to believe that climate change was a threat to our planet. I took ecosystem management at Sir Sanford Fleming College in Lindsay. In my spare time, I researched the science behind climate change in the hopes that one day I would work for the UN. I found in my research that the doomsday predictions were based on flawed science and stemmed from unelected international organizations. The policies that they are recommending have undermined our rights and our sovereignty. And I would like to give a background on that before I address the reports on your agenda tonight. In 1992, Canada signed on to the UN Agenda 21. A total of 178 nations agreed because this international agreement promised to bring big money for going green, quote. Once signed, Canada became a UN member state, a nation state, and was no longer a sovereign country under the rule of law and the supremacy of God. And everything I'm stating tonight, I will send you all the documentation to um, and from their own words stating what I'm saying. It was then that all towns in Canada and every other country that signed on were in a sense abandoned and merged with others to form UN city-states of which Hebrew is now one. By the year 2000, we saw countries now being governed by the direction of the United Nations the G7, the G20, the Council of Foreign Relations, the World Bank, and the World Economic Forum, wow. World Health Organization as well, and the International Council on Local and Environmental Issues. I believe that acronym is pronounced ICLE, but you can or ISIL, if you can correct me which one. Instead of following parliamentary procedures for law changes, the municipal primer, which looks like this, the title of it, the title page, was sent to all our local towns in 1994 and outlined how they would restructure their governments, their municipal governments. In this primer, you will see that our public officials, our elected mayor and council, are now partnered with a private corporation called the City of Peterborough, all caps. This is a private corporation, not a public. And working alongside with that corporation's chief administrative officer, I believe a new one is now in place, Jasbir Raina, sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly, working alongside him to implement the global agenda instead of a local one, and committing public funds to private sustainable initiatives development goals and foreign investors under the guise of saving the planet. Now to look at your reports. First report PEAC 23-010. Here is a plan, in here is a link to a plan that identifies measures required to achieve net zero by 2050. The measures in that plan include a vague reference to targeting mobility. This report would nominate one of you to sit on an upcoming advisory group hosted by an unnamed consultant and this is set to launch this July. I assume this project consultant is connected with Ickley. In report PEAC 23002, it states that Peterborough declared a climate emergency in 2019. I would like to know what local event triggered such a declaration and submit to the common sense of Peterborough residents that this was not caused by any local event or catastrophe and is therefore linked to the declaration. To, sorry, therefore linked to the UN's global agenda and not the local agenda of the residents of Peterborough. This report states that the city participated in Iclee Canada's Advancing Adaptation Project and received a grant for $15,000, big money for growing green. And I'm sure that is not the only amount of money that this council has received from Iclee over the years. Most disturbingly, this, Most disturbingly, it states that the recent reductions in greenhouse gas emissions were primarily the result of the COVID-19 pandemic and how it modified our travel patterns. This is repeated again in report PEAC 23-009. When you put this together with the previous statement about targeting mobility, the question of whether the sacred mobility rights of the residents of Peterborough are at stake. And if your participation in furthering this agenda is not a violation of your oath to uphold the constitution of Canada, along with our Bill of Rights. And if if so, may this be a verbal warning, a verbal notice, I'm sorry, that if you proceed with passing this agenda item, Notice of liability will be sent to those who pass it. Without that, formally ask I would state this motion to accept this report. 30 seconds. The references, again, to everything I stated, will be sent to you in email tomorrow, as I trust most of you might not be aware of these important matters. And with that, um, thank you. And if you have any questions, I'm happy to answer them. Thank you very
0: much for your presentation. There could be some questions. Any questions from okay so cool first of all congratulations uh are you planning to run for any level of government municipal or otherwise
2: well i already i already tried that in 2011
0: right but you try it again municipal or what are you thinking
2: my focus right now is to get the groundwork and the grassroots ready because my experience since that time I think I received two percent of the votes, and that seems to be the norm for anyone putting the amount of effort in that it takes
0: mm-hmm.
2: so before I turn my attention to anything like that, I first want to invest my energy in the groundwork that we need to do in the in our municipalities, in our towns um, really getting the people active again and when I go out and speak to people, the majority already knows that the government's corrupt and isn't working for the people anymore. So it's organizing all those like-minded people to, so that they realize how many of us there are. So then we can, as an organized body move forward with, with taking back this country.
0: Um, yeah,
2: I've, yeah, I... Can I make a suggestion?
0: Yes. <laughs> if you want to do grassroots, uh, school boards, target the school boards. You can get elected there pretty simple. You just need the support of the parents. And that's a good path towards municipal changes is the school board. And then once you're on there for a couple of terms of stuff, you know, counselor, then move your way up. Another option could be to find yourself a small town that needs a good mayor. Um, that's another option because they need good people in small towns as well and you may find you know somebody's been there especially during this COVID stuff there's a lot of guys and gals that want to get out of that office and get replaced so there's possibly a town or two near you that might take you uh, those would be two grassroots options
2: and that's what I, I want to impress in people's minds is the small towns are much easier to take back and they make up the majority of the land mass of the country mm-hmm. and it's a lot easier to run run these guys out of town with the proper notices of liability for one thing, and then move in to replace them. Because if you go to a town council meeting, there's zero to two people showing up, actually paying attention. The majority of Canadians are not politically active. All of this agenda is coming down from, from an, from the global agenda and so on and we if we decide to get politically active we we don't need that many people we need 20 to 100 active organized people in every municipality going about with effective strategies to get back our country and it's a lot easier to do that in the small towns so yes we can do it
0: and- Right. And the globalists, they targeted the larger areas, the larger municipalities with the program you just revealed right there. Uh, they didn't take those to the small towns. What they've they, done to the small... Go ahead.
2: They did. They amalgamated them in.
0: Okay. So they're working off of the larger areas, the larger towns around them or yes. larger cities. Right. Okay. So getting in there will be a good way to help stop it and maybe reverse it at that point. It would be tough, like you're saying, to do it in a city because they're heavily funded and they were heavily targeted, especially the people there. And that's one of the things I think you realize while you were giving that statement to the council, you're actually talking to the people who are part of this program. So it's going to be very tough to move that needle.
2: Some of them I could tell I was saying something that helped a light bulb to go off. Oh, that's why we can't get the things passed and done that we want to have done. Mm -hmm. And others, looked annoyed and angry they just didn't want to hear what i was saying and others looked like they knew what i was saying was true and they were like get her off yep. get her there as quickly as possible <laughs> so.
0: yeah so that's something that rick abbott mentioned to us is there's basically a third a third and a third there's a mm-hmm. third of the people who are totally aware of what's going on and they're in it there's a third that completely are against it. And then there's that middle third who really don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so maybe that's what you just described there.
2: And now I'm moving forward with notices of liability. So people keep asking, what can I do? So mm-hmm. I say to everyone, you can easily do what I did. Everything I said, I listed in my Facebook post that's gone gone out. It's also listed on the YouTube video I put all the information there, all the documents at the end of every month. Our town council lets delegates speak for five minutes Mm -hmm. and it gets broadcasted. So the population that's listening can hear it and you can go and speak. And then the next day I called uh, Rebecca from Stanford. The, I said, or sorry, that day I said, I'm doing this tonight. I need a notice of liability. I'm, I'm going to give them a verbal um, notice that they'll be receiving one. And the next day they did a live and they had a whole 15 minute city notice of liability, ready to go. And so does take action Canada, which looks very good as well. So I'm still deciding which one to go with and we Mm -hmm. can do this all across the country right now. We can put our mayor and our council and notice, and also don't forget to include the the CAO of mm-hmm. the corporation calling itself your city because mm-hmm. that's a private corporation and that chief executive, chief administrative officer is the one implementing the global agenda and br- basically giving grants to the city. So when I mentioned that $15,000 that they received this spring, if you look back to 1994, They've received millions from icli icli Canada is a UN branch working with our municipalities across the country. And the icli Canada, if you look at their what they are, they're a network of members and experts working together through peer exchange and partnership to create systematic change. Mm-hmm. And this is what if we wanna win, we need to connect the network, members, experts, figuring out what works, implementing that across our vast nation, because we can't just show up in Ottawa every time there's a problem. Right. Canada too big. We need to take back the country from the municipal level up. Right. And the, the conference for the municipalities happens every year, and their slogan at the bottom says, Local action, federal results. So if we want to get our federal government back, we have to start at our municipalities.
0: Absolutely. And I believe you're right. And provincial level should be taking more action as well. So we have somebody like Danielle Smith, who's talking some of the right talk, but not really Mm -hmm. taking the action just yet but you're hundred percent right. The grassroots pressure, the people pressure is how she should be moving. Like we should be pushing that up as well. Um, so I'm going to jump to Chris quickly. Um, so Chris, are you thinking anything like that? When you move? you're going up in the bush, you're going to be, uh, out out of the city. Have you thought about maybe getting a little bit politically active locally supporting somebody or, or doing it yourself?
1: Yeah. So I, I agree. Like, uh, we have to start with localism. It's got to start, from the small towns um we are moving to a small town with a small population that being said um i speak english and the population mainly speaks french in the location we're going now my wife speaks french which, which is great um but no i, I do believe that uh, going up the local levels like myself maybe not but i would but i would rally behind others Support somebody. So. And, and and like i said like maggie said like a small population is easier to get going um and the, the place we're moving already has a good support network, so it's just uh, it's just about getting there and um, just creating the network, unifying people, and
0: uh, yeah. Yeah, and supporting, if it's a good network, is supporting it so it stays that way, and maybe find yourself a candidate, maybe they already have a good candidate, and then supporting them as well. Right. Uh, and you're homeschooling, but you can still get involved with the local school system, so and the parent council stuff
1: hundred percent so i i like my answer right now my head is scattered because like i have so many things in my head right now that i gotta pay attention yeah. to and so like I, th- I, th- I think of two things so i see the global elite and the whole mechanism i see it as one big wheel and it's spinning regardless yeah. um and it's not for me it's not about stopping the wheel because it's too big it's about tilting it a degree and when you tilt a degree, a degree, you're going to add 10 years, 20 years, it's going to change the latitude, right? It changes that. So there's things we can do like that. And at the same time to be concurrent. And for me personally, so uh, my friend, uh, Jeremy McKenzie, who you may or may not know. Yeah, I've um, interviewed
0: him. Do you right, like his he, interview?
1: Oh, I, I watched it. I forgot. I watched it. It's right. okay. It's okay. love you, brother. Um, okay. So um, he's been to bank, right? And his girlfriend as well has been to bank. Yes, now, she
0: has recently it, too.
1: It, it, in the position we're at, as well, um, I just I'm, I'm I have a new mortgage with Scotia Bank. Um, mm. I have to prepare for the next few years ahead. That not only could I lose my mortgage, that potentially if the CBDC does roll out, I may not have an income at some point. Now it's probably looking five years out, but I have to get myself in a in a, situa- a situation where I can be free of debt, helping those around me. I like we want to help those in the poverty, seniors. I mean, there's so many people that need help. Mm-hmm. I lost my
0: train of thought. Um, no, no, no problem. You were going to be setting up. Uh, you, you're going to be helping. We're talking about getting on school boards and we're talking about uh, helping the community at this stage.
1: Right. See, I mean, and it has to start with localism. Small towns I 100% agree with Maggie. I mean, it, Chris and I tried with Toronto to get the, to get the mayor. Yeah. But I, mean, as, as we saw, that I had was, him on uh,
0: too. Yeah, I had him on I too. He's a good yeah.
1: guy. It would have been great if he won. I mean,
0: who they have now is, well, anyways. It's okay. It's okay. No, it was stacked against him. The media yeah. definitely did not give him a fair shake. And that's something that I'm going to go to next. So, as we're talking about taking back control from the grassroots up, we are not just fighting the politicians and some people who don't know what's going on. We're also fighting the media because they will absolutely come out against you. Uh, that's well established, mm-hmm. it's well controlled, it's well funded. Um, so, as you saw with Chris Skye, Every little single thing that he may have possibly ever did that could rub somebody the wrong way. They amplified that Mm -hmm. all the work that he actually did, which was great. And I caught him on an interview, his interview with me, he was delivering groceries to a single mother because she called out to him and asked for help. That didn't make the the media at all either. Um, So you're going to be against that machine as well. So Mm -hmm. another option Another grassroots option, which is available to all of us, is stuff like this podcast, getting out there once a week, getting together, talking, continuing to let people know how things are going. That's yeah, another yeah. way to build up a base. Would you consider yeah. doing that? we got people like Alex Cabana. we got people like me, Zach Schmidt. There's a lot of people out there who are doing podcasts, Jeremy McKenzie, uh, who yeah. are doing podcasts to getting their voice out. Would you consider getting involved in something like that?
1: Uh- of course. I mean, uh, I think for me, I want. I want to get. Uh, like right now, we're busy. We want to. We want to sell this place, move. Uh, I feel mm-hmm. like wherever I end up, as long as I can find someone who's technical that can help me out with the uh, like starting the foundation. I so will help self, you in a
0: heartbeat. In um, a heartbeat.
1: I, I I wanted to do a YouTube video like or channel like years ago because I, with the bullshit was going on, but I just uh, I couldn't set it myself. And I just get determined. Like ah, you know, someone else will do it. Um, Consider I, I that
0: to go back. taken care of. Let's consider Sound you. Good. Let's say we got you in front of a camera and everything else is taken care of. All we need you to do is talk for an hour about your week. Would you do that?
1: Probably. Because it would um, be I, interesting I, I to hear want, your journey. Sounds good. Yeah. I, I do want to go back to about you mentioning the, the mainstream media. So after yeah. the convoy, uh, my fan. So after the convoy, I'm sure you know of James Top. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we spent, He'll be uh, on,
0: he will be on when he comes up from his, he's, he's taking a break right now. He's got some stuff to work perfect. on when he comes back. Yeah. Up, much he's gonna doable, be doing yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. We, we spent the entire summer with him. And I mean, and watching the media slander, this guy who's a four, I think he's a, he deployed four or five times. He was a decorated match award officer. He'd been with the RCMP. Like he, this guy is the fittest machine that you want in the military. And they're kicking him out. Um, and he's trying to raise awareness and, you know, the media's coming out slandering him. And it's just, it was, it was sad, but, it, but expected of the mainstream media too. I, I don't know who actually still pays attention to that and watches it. I don't understand.
0: A lot of people who haven't changed the channel, they completely believe it. And it's always available. So there's a good chunk of people who just don't get past the uh, is this mm-hmm. true stage because they don't have anything else to compare it to. Uh, lots of people do. Uh, but this is why I'm trying to push this kind of thing. With the podcast, Canadians to Canadians, we cut out the middleman. And, uh, you know, we don't get it all right. Sometimes we have to uh, have corrections. But I think people like you, for example, I think you would do a great show of setting up your new place. So you're just setting up a new home stage oh, you're you can, cutting up. our Cameron, yeah. No problem. Uh, What I'm suggesting, and maybe we can watch this go back a little bit later, is uh, if you had a show that would show how you're setting up your new life and you just gave us an update once a week and how is Chris doing, uh, people would tune into that because people would want to know how you're doing. And you might be able to assist them on, hey, this is what I did with my homeschooling. Here's what I did with my homesteading. Just little updates as as you're progressing. Mm -hmm. I think people would like that.
1: No, and I I do like uh, taking a second as well, like doing that as well, would also better myself because i mean public speaking and all that and if if i do want to get on a local level i know i have to get uncomfortable i have to get in positions like this i don't i don't enjoy doing this one bit but i know i'm I'm an introvert
0: i'm an introvert i'm just doing this for canada
1: yeah me me too i i I can't stand doing this but i think over time um for sure i I could do that
0: absolutely and i'd help you on that in any way i could For sure. And then Maggie, the the same question. If you were able to have everything taken care of, the tech, all that kind of stuff is not a problem. Would you consider doing something? Because for (laughs) me, I I would call it Maggie's line where you're telling us where your line is all the time and how you're fighting with your line. Uh, I would watch that.
2: I'm still working on getting everything taken care of, but I would love to do that. I speak to Amazing people every week and every time I think I really need to get this conversation out there. Mm-hmm. because the people I talk to, they're solution focused. They have the right ideas, and if we could all hear it, then we would be able to implement that. But maybe I can send them your way for now while I get myself sure. sorted out. Um, and that yeah. I would love. Well, I would. Lo- I would love nothing more, and that's why I created the newsletters, because then I could at least capture it, capture the big ideas, boil it down into simple terms, and put it out for the people. And so that's what I've been trying to do. Um,
0: absolutely, and I got a few options for you. So every week I do a cross Canada, coast to coast thing where we go from each region and we get a news update from that region. Mm -hmm. So you're Ontario, right? So we can get you in for the Ontario one once a week, where you can tell us what's going on in Peterborough, Pickering, your area. Uh, And then we do that across Canada. So if you watch the entire three-hour show, you get Canadian news from Canadians. So that's every week that I do that one. Um, And another option I can do with you is from time to time, I bring in co-hosts on subjects. So if you have somebody who you think would do a good interview, You can co-host it with me. So this is what Maggie May does. So Jeremy's girlfriend, um, Gov Corrupt in Quebec. He's a co-host as well sometimes. Uh, His name's Kevin. He's a really good guy. And both of them are basically saying the same thing. I want a little bit more practice and get more comfortable with it. Uh, So if you have a friend or two that you want to bring on and you think can make a good interview, you could co-host that with me. And get more comfortable with that. And same thing with you, Chris. If you want to bring on a friend that you met, maybe the guys who drove you around or something, we could do the same thing if you want to get more comfortable coming on. Yeah, sounds good.
2: That okay, would be so amazing. I'll
0: go, yeah, yeah I'll reach it. out for you. <laughs> well, then let's get you set up for the next Wednesday so I can put you down for Ontario. Uh, okay. I'll tell you the exact time and we'll do that. And Chris, what province are you in without telling us exactly where you are? I think you said Nova, Nova, New Brunswick. New, New Brunswick. Right. Well, yep. uh, Maggie, or not Maggie, sorry. Uh, Morgan May, she does uh, the maritime with us. So I'll connect with her and, uh, maybe she'll bring you on, on one of her, her, uh, maritime episodes. And you can tell us about what's going on for like five, 10 minutes uh, and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. you be for that. We can do that. Okay, cool. Look at that. I'm already recruiting people for our Wednesday show. Um, but let's do that because I'm helping other people too. Uh, Rob Anders, who was an MP, MP for eighteen years, co-founder of the Canadian, of the Conservative Party of Canada. So he's a conservative out near Alberta. He's doing the same thing. He's going to be setting up a show. Uh, Eva Chippewick, who's a lawyer out in Alberta, he's, she's dealing with. Well, she's the one who cross-examined uh, Trudeau. So you guys would have saw her during the POEC days. Uh, she's looking at uh, doing a podcast as well. Because I think what we have to do, one of the first steps here, Maggie and Chris, is we got to replace the media. (laughs) And we got to do a good job at replacing the media. Because they're the ones who are supposed to let the public know what's going on with the government. So when they're not doing their job, this is what happens. People have no idea what's going on with the government. At least most of them don't. So if we could put together canadians talking to canadians i think we'll have a much better chance on doing that grassroots effort so sorry if i seem a little pushy but i think you both have excellent voices and i think you both would be able to uh, keep a crowd and and help educate them so i'm going to ask my chat would you guys watch maggie's show maggie line whatever we end up calling it or she calls it and would you watch chris uh, set up a new life and and check out what's going on with him uh, routinely i know alex cabana is in the uh, chat today So I'm sure he would be quite excited about doing that Mm -hmm. as well Um, because this is what we're doing. Uh, We're we're bringing out good people and we're having good conversations. So I would encourage you to do that. Now I am going to wrap up because I can tell we're getting near the end here and we've kind of gone through all of our questions. But I do have a lot of uh, questions from the chat and the chat wants to say some things to you guys. So if you don't mind, I'll take you through that. And Chris, how are you doing? You're holding up good? Good, yeah. Excellent. Excellent. But I'm going to go with Carly. So this looks like it's for Chris. So I'll bring it up for Chris. Uh, Chris Deering. Thank you for your service. I am grateful you were able to recover as fast as you have. So this is from Carly Simmons on YouTube. Thank Thank you, you. Carly. Yeah. And uh, that was pretty amazing how quickly you did recover. You mentioned that you were able to do it in months. Um, So you were healthy and you were able to, uh, you know, take that uh, rehab seriously and do a good job there.
1: Yeah. Let, let me remind people, the first thing about pain club, you don't talk
0: don't about talk pain. About, that's right. And the same thing is true for tattoos. I've had tattoos and you don't think about it and it's fine. Um, but other people, when they get all wrapped up into it, they squeal and, and scream. Uh, Brenda, what does Brenda say here? I did see on live stream, a woman asked an officer if he was proud of himself. He started tearing up, said no, took off his shield and left. Brenda, if you can find that video, uh, we would love to see that. Mm-hmm. And this is exactly what Maggie was trying to do. So, Maggie, you want to maybe comment to uh, Brenda here?
2: Absolutely. I think the, the emergency act, they kept increasing the emergency act because the police weren't seeing any criminal activity to enforce any laws to remove us. And so they called the emergency act for Ottawa and brought in more people, but there was nothing we could they could do because we weren't doing anything wrong and the police saw that. And then they did the Ontario one just to create that hype, right? And mm-hmm. then bring in more officers hoping that they could get them to, to do more, but they couldn't because when they were there, they saw for themselves that we weren't doing anything unlawful that we could be arrested or removed for And we were kind and polite and loving to the police. That was our code while we were there, our unspoken code that we were gonna be as peaceful and responsible and loving as we could. And then when they did the big one, they literally shipped police in from all across the country, landed them that night, put them on the ground with their orders, moved them forward and then switched them out before their hearts would kick in and say, what are we doing here? And that's what I think the Emergency Act was, was called for because they, <clears throat> given enough time, the officers would have saw, seen for themselves for the most part. And that's why at the end they put mm-hmm. the, the riot police or whoever they were in the front against the people because they knew that they would just do their job. And, um, but a lot of them did have heart. Like I said, he dropped a tear they knew mm-hmm. they knew we were right uh, the day that the Emergency Act was called. Somebody brought thousands of roses into Ottawa and handed them out to the police. And when I arrived that that day, the streets were covered in roses. Everywhere. Mm-hmm. So we did a great job. And um, my heart goes out to the police because that was probably quite traumatic for many of them as well.
1: Yes, please. Um, But just the one thing I found that Maggie was saying, as the violence escalated from the police during those two days, it, it got even more peaceful from the protesters as the violence went on. It was incredible. It was the most, it was, it was amazing.
0: That sounds very Canadian because we're not there to have Mm -hmm. violence. So if violence is brought to us, we're going to respond with peace. Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah. uh, Maggie, we actually have a question here for you from Eleanor. from, from want to from cry, YouTube. Chris. <laughs> I know, you know. I'm doing my best to move this on because this could be very emotional for us, especially you two. Uh, Eleanor says, uh, does Maggie feel safe where she is, or does, do you plan to move away? Now you had that bomb threat. You're had, you you know, you're dealing with the Peterborough 15 Minutes city. I'm sure you're on board something.
2: I will, I will move when I'm called to move. Right now, I do feel this is—I <clears throat> feel this is a a mission that has a certain level of protection over it, and I'll be okay. protected here as long as I feel safe here. I will stay, and I would love to go to a, a cabin in the woods. And I'm making plans to—I'll be okay. My life. You'll be is, okay. Yeah, my life is protected and guided and I'll be okay. But thank you for asking.
0: God God bless you and we do agree with that. And if you ever get the itch or you hear a calling and it says, Alberta, uh, you know where to go.
2: I have a (laughs) lot of friends around the country, so I'll be okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And if you just want to go for a little while and just hop around, we would have you as well too.
2: And and Uh, I'm also um, planning... I, I have a place in Mexico as well and, and Central America. I, I went to a conference in Mexico with like-minded people from around the mm-hmm. world. So, and I've put my, my affairs in order with legal documentation as, and even taking the next step to protect all of my assets into a trust. So if mm-hmm. they come after me like they would a normal person they will not be able to get through as quickly as they would normally get to somebody. So like I well, said, there are things we like can do said, to protect yeah. ourselves.
0: Well, I want you to stay because you're one of the good ones and I would hate to see the brain drain <laughs> happen. Uh, this Don't, is one of the challenges when the people smarten up and they move away from the cities or move away. They're also leaving behind concentration of not smart people because all the smart ones are leaving so i see what your your journey is right now you're going to stay in the lion's den for a little bit longer while you still feel safe and continue to bring that fight to them
2: and i i like just to go to mexico because it helps my spirit to recharge and mm-hmm. the energy there is more relaxed canada has a very dark uh we're dealing with a lot of stuff here in canada so i do recommend people take time to to relax and enjoy life and enjoy freedom because that's what it's all about. We we need mm-hmm. to be enjoying our lives, enjoying our families, and um, and that's I find in those moments where I can relax. That's where the good ideas come, and and the good ideas when we speak them out loud, like we're doing here tonight. Yeah, that's what changes everything. So. Yeah.
0: And then and then people like Cindy reach out to you and says, Maggie, thank you for standing up for all of us, big strong arm. She she appreciates that for sure. Thank you, you very much, Cindy. And uh, Cindy also wanted to let you know, always moving forward, good for you, Maggie. So she's listening very carefully to uh, your path, and she agrees with you. Just keep moving forward, and as long as you feel safe, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then Chris wants to let you both know, good for you guys and thank you for putting your faces and time towards sharing such necessary topics. This is what I think is what we're going to get out of tonight is we got a lot more detail out of both of you about what happened that wasn't on the record and we didn't know about. So thank you both for sharing all of that. And thank you, Chris, for your comment. And then we also have some for you, (laughs) our our soldier. Um, Reluctant optimist. That's a wonderful name. <laughs> a reluctant optimist. Uh, love you, Chris. Reluctant loves you. I don't think that's the reluctant part, but reluctant loves you. Yeah. And then Charlie C., which is a vet, by the way, in Ottawa. She's an amazing woman. Uh, respect, Chris. Cheers, brother. Thanks. Lots of respect for you. And then Island Jason, who's out in BC. He's one of our newer followers ever since we had Jeremy on. He's been watching basically every episode, and he's also going to be on our Canada coast-to-coast thing, so you'll catch him on Wednesday as well. He says thanks for sharing, Chris and Maggie. And I think this was the big takeaway, was we got to hear more about what happened to you and your story. And then, of course, Dylan wants to let you know, Chris, uh, thank you for your service.
1: Thank you. Thanks, Dylan. No problem.
0: And and that's probably Klaus trying to interrupt there, Maggie. Uh, He has your number, maybe. He's just trying to interrupt there. Uh, but thank you very much chris for that and let's see what we got here and we got one more from dylan thank you chris oh jason chris and maggie and then uh the brotherhood there so thank you very much dylan we do appreciate it um and most importantly i appreciate both of you for being able to make some time uh peter makes one more comment here uh jason has built in my honest opinion the best interview opinion channel on youtube thank you peter appreciate that uh we need dynamic and eloquent people to add oxygen to the discussion chris and maggie are both amazing voices and creative forces i agree with you peter and i think my chat was pretty clear they would watch your show so if you guys want to help and we want to do some co-hosting we want to get you on for a little bit get your feet wet get comfortable with it happy to happy to But on that note, I think uh, unless you guys want to bring up anything that we didn't cover, uh, if there's another video or something you want to share, if there's anything else that you didn't cover, we'll go ahead and let you get back to your evening. Uh, We'll start with you, Chris, if there's anything that you want to add.
1: Sure. I just want to say uh, thanks for having me on the show. And um, I look forward to starting a podcast or a YouTube channel or something. Thank you for that. Um, Also, for those watching, continue to watch Jason. He's got great content. (laughs) Tune into Patriot Propaganda because they have great stuff as well. Uh, Alex and his wife, Megan, are doing great work. And uh, like my friend Saxon Murray says, it's a, a great way to protest for government is to get off the services and be less dependent on the state. So just be more independent and just be better for you and your family. And don't forget, take a cold shower. It helps. That's it.
0: Cold shower. Yeah, <laughs> it will help with the pain and also help with keeping your mind straight. Yeah. And, uh, Make sure you tune in on Monday. There's an announcement with Alex. He'll be announcing something on Monday. So make sure you tune in for that one. Okay. Uh, and Then right back to you, Maggie. Um, do you want to have any final comments or did we miss anything that you wanted to add?
2: Again, thank you so much, Jason, for what you're doing. I, I would love to be able to work with you in the future. And I have a lot of people that I have great ideas that we can get out there. I'm moving. If people want to know more about what I'm, the ideas that I'm sharing, I am moving my newsletter to WordPress. It'll okay. it will be called the Gathering 2030. So instead of a, um, Agenda 2030, it's the Gathering 2030, and I'm gathering as many of the best, I- effective ideas and strategies for the people across the country who want their freedom back. So, and wanna get our, our country back and get people like you elected. And I'm so glad that you're running for that election as an independent. And that is definitely the next step forward in that, that avenue that needs to be addressed as well. So thank you so much.
0: Hey, my pleasure. It's the toughest road, as you know, running, you got 2%. It's the toughest road. But I think uh, we have the time to connect to enough people. I got to reach 40,000 ears, And when I do that, I think people will understand that this is the type of MPs you want, the type that will connect to you. And by the way, my, my entire plan is, for the people who are listening, is to continue this stream as an MP. So if I have meetings with people, it would be on the stream I'll have a body cam every place I can, other than the bathroom. You will see my entire MP life uh, because I believe that's, that's the transparency we need. Um, So you'll see who I speak to, what we're talking about and everything that can be streamed will be streamed. Um, And hopefully that encourages the others to do the same thing. Uh, But I think you're going to see a lot of video of me banging on doors that they won't open because they say liberal on them Um, but that might be the case and you know if that's the case that's the case but thank you very much for that support Maggie it's it's a long road it's the hardest road Uh, the PPC offered me the path but that's party politics and I have a whole video on why I said no to them Um, but you can check that out I called it federal candidate Um, you'll find it in my my library but thank you all very much for that. Yeah, for sure. And I think the conversation is what really needs to happen because, boy, did I learn a lot about you both today. I know the audience did as well. And you got to fill in a bunch of the holes that we had, like what happened to you after? Uh, What did you have to go through? What is your path forward? We got to learn all of that today, so I do appreciate that. And then, Chris, absolutely. You're in my prayers. Uh, Your service was great. And then, Maggie, you're an inspiration. There's going to be so many people, young, old, male, female, looking up to you. Because you're staying in the den and you know it, and and you feel that that's your path, so God bless you on that one, and I appreciate yeah. that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to wrap up, I'm going to say goodbye, and uh, we'll you. let you get back to your evenings, and we will get you both on at some time in the future, uh, and we'll make this happen for sure on Wednesday if you both are interested, we'll get you both on on Wednesday. Is that a thumbs up from both of you? Yep. Look at that, we're building this team, Canada, <laughs> we rock. Canada. Well. Uh, <laughs> I love you both very much. Canada loves you both very much. Even the haters love you and they just don't know it yet. You guys were there for them. Even the haters, uh, you stood up for them. So appreciate that. Thank you. Yep. Good night. Good night to you night. both. We'll talk. Good
2: night, Chris. Good to Thanks. see you again.
1: Good to you again. <laughs> Thanks, Jason.
2: Thank you, Jason. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Another reunion. We'll do this again. Take care. Take Alberta, care. Alberta loves you.